gonna make you a podcast you can't refuse. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight on Thursdays with Moray, not Tuesdays with Moray anymore, for the Godfather Trilogy Special and 65th episode. Welcome, I'm your host, Ian Taylor. Joining me tonight is my wonderful co-host, Devin Kane, and we have not one, but two guests with us tonight. Uh, I'd like to start with a brand new guest joining us. Uh, Julia, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello and good evening. Uh, Buonasera, my name is Julia. Um... I was kindly invited to this podcast, um, and totally not racially profiled by my friend Devin. <laughs> <laughs> Way to call and, uh, me out. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, it's all love. Um, uh, no, I um, am a huge fan of these movies. Um, more specifically, the Godfather trilogy. Um, they actually were op- eye-opening to a lot of what goes on in, like... I know it's mostly fictional, but... Um, it was eye-opening for, like, a lot of, like, mafioso history, so, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, they're enjoyable, um, the music, the, the acting is just, mwah, chef kiss. Second and level. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. We're happy We're to, have to have you, Julia. You. Uh, it's, it's, it's so, uh, it's so hard to, it's hard to overestimate just how huge and influential these films are, and. And this, this really is like a tentpole for people's understanding of Italian culture. So I hope that we can uh, expose some truths, but also uh, maybe dissuade some uh, some falsehoods that uh, in your experiences. So I'm yeah, absolutely really excited for tonight. And anyway. we have a third guest with us tonight. Uh, Matt, welcome back. Would you like to introduce yourself? My friends, I wish to God thank you it. for joining me or allowing me to join you this evening again. It has been uh, some time since I've been away. Uh, if you'll have to excuse me, I've been away on business. But now I'm glad that uh, we can all sit down and enjoy a beautiful movie, a meal together, and we can finally enjoy ourselves. Buongiorno, everybody. Matthew Portelli has rejoined the podcast. Beautiful. Well, well bravo, done. sorry. Bravo. bravo. Yeah, bravo. That's not forgive my, uh, You'll have to forgive my hamness of this. I just, I love these movies. Uh, I have a very interesting history with this uh, franchise. Uh, but the long and short of it, I was has to be a godfather i had never watched the movie before so the first time i watched the movie uh, was a big uh important point in my life so yeah i want wow. to kind of start off the podcast with asking you guys uh, what was your first introduction into the godfather because i have a pretty interesting story about that too but love to hear you guys go first do you want me to elaborate on what i was just talking about please go for it go ahead okay my well in that case uh my aunt's my my oh jeez my mother's sister who's my aunt uh was had recently gotten married and was having a firstborn son and i was the only one in the family who thought at the time that it was going to be a boy everyone else was saying no it's going to be a girl it's going to be a girl girl go girl i was the only one in the family who thought it was going to be a boy lo and behold little trent walker seath was born on january 27th to our surprise so at that time uh, i think it was like just after christmas and uh, my aunt asked me would you want to be the godfather and um 
one, I never knew what that was. Two, I had never seen the movie before, but I've heard, like, the reference of The Godfather and seen it, like, in popular media. So after that, I accepted, of course, and I watched the movie for the first time. And ever since then, I was going around saying, oh, I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse. Oh, look how they massacred <laughs> my boy. I would just uh, go around and start quoting the movie because Take I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. Mm. It's an amazing movie. But uh, to this day, I'd never seen the second nor the third part. So really? it's uh, finally good to finish rounding out the trilogy, seeing where a lot of parts from like pop culture are seeing from this thing. And uh, yeah, it was a fun and interesting experience. So Yeah, nice. Julia? All right, well, um, to be quite honest, my introduction to the movies, like to actually sit down and watch the movies, um, it only really happened over the summer um, when I saw that the movies were on Netflix. However, with that being said, um, my dad is a huge fan of uh, the original novel by Mario Puzo, um, and he had a poster in the basement that was always like there, and when I was little... Um, I would always see the novel, and I would see, like, the poster, and The Godfather was always something that was looming there, um, that I would see, but I was always told, like, oh, no, no, you're too, you're too young to watch this, you know, a lot of violence, yep, mm. but, um, and of course, yeah, like, that's how it goes for when you have young kids, um, but when I saw the, that the movies were on Netflix, I was like, oh, okay, uh, let me let me dip into this. And um, I immediately fell in love with the first movie, especially the second one. Um, I was a little hesitant with the third one because I have heard uh, a mixed bag of opinions. Um, but I'll say I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's all really thanks to my dad that I'm into these movies, because um, as soon as I watched them, I, you know, I was texting him, I was like, oh my god, I watched The Godfather, what have I been missing my whole life? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we gotta discuss this now, because you're, you're in your late 20s, and you are allowed to watch these movies now. Welcome to the family, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> the proper initiation. Yeah. And I'm actually, cool. um, yeah. I'm actually, I borrowed the novel from him, oh, really? and I am reading it. I am See, I still not... need to read the novels. So. Yeah, so it's, uh, there's definitely a lot of... I'm not trying to go on a tangent. I apologize, but... No, please do. There's definitely yeah. a lot of stuff that was taken out of the movie, but so far, even though I'm only a little ways into it, um, they, uh, they've done a great job at adapting a movie out of it, and I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Molto bene. For sure. I think yeah. that's the same with all, like, pretty like much the movie yeah adaptations there's so much you have to fit into it so well it also helps that it's the same writer like mario puso was had a writing yes. credit on all three films i don't know how much of an influence he had on the sequels in particular but for the first film like they were basically he was basically intertwined with francis ford coppola to adapt it yeah. so yeah he had a big handle on it oh yeah there was so much working against them, too, and I feel like that <clears throat> adversity almost helped kind of with the quality of it because they didn't want Marlon Brando. They were mm -hmm. very uh, – the studio was not happy with a lot of the casting choices and some of the decisions that 
Coppola was uh, making at the time, and he was kind of a young director trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the adversity that they had almost with the studio and the fact that Mario Puzo was involved that it kind of became the classic that it is. And uh, like the book wasn't even that huge, apparently, by the time they made it, but it became uh, such a cultural phenomenon at, after that time. Yeah, I'd imagine people just wanted more of the world after that happened. How'd you first watch The Godfather, Devin? Um, it was only like a few years ago, I think, that I had finally seen it. I remember mm. I had an interest in seeing it when I was really young. And it was one of those things where, you know, uh, my dad uh, was saying that it'd be like parts of it are too slow and then it's too violent and it wouldn't be the kind of thing that interests me. I always like a challenge, um, but I didn't end up seeing it uh, at that age when I was younger um, just because it seemed like it'd be like too uh, too complex a film for me to appreciate. But um, I remember seeing uh, Rugrats 2 parody it in the beginning and yeah. that kind of sparked... <laughs> that was my first introduction to it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if anyone else saw that, but yeah. 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 But um, that, that that kind of sparked my interest again, and I eventually came across them, and yeah, I was uh, blown away by um, just everything about these films. It's very fascinating, this whole, you know, family loyalty, and you, you understand the motivations for all they're doing, but also there, there's a certain line of... Uh, you go along with uh, what's happening yeah, and that's really yeah. fascinating to kind of explore and you know I imagine that there was these uh, you know bloodlines and histories of bloodshed and you know they, they kind of mention in the film that this is like a feud that's been going on for like 2,000 years and when does it end and mm-hmm. I imagine it's hard to get off that train once you're on it mm-hmm. that's something part two in particular I think addresses yeah. just that theme of history repeating itself and the inescapable nature of living that life of crime uh, for the me, I, I admit I'm the same. I, I've always watched parts of it. It's been a big part of my household. My mother and father love the first one to death. Uh, my mother hates the second one, but my father loves it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was always... Yep, part two is a little bit polarizing, but we'll get to that. But ever since it's I went to college, those, yeah. this was one of those films we had to watch in college. I can't remember which class it was. I think it was like Hollywood cinema or no genre films, genre films. And this was the film we had for the mom- monster category because, of course, it's here. That's a good fellas for every film school. And maybe Untouchables, yeah. I'd say. Oh, Untouchables, yeah, that's potential as well. Everyone glosses over Untouchables as one of my and... personal favorites. Yeah, that one's kind of underrated. It's also hard to avoid Goodfellas. That's uh, yes. that's another yeah. like very that's a big initiation. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Although to be fair, it's like the the quote-unquote big air quotes here gangster movie yeah yeah and here's the thing we probably wouldn't have goodfellas without godfather because godfather basically proved that movies like this can be successful movie people can watch movies about criminals and genuinely like them and be fascinated by their personal lives and their family lives a genre which was kind of falling out at the time because in the 60s like the noir genre was dying out the crime genre was dying out nobody was really interested in these crime stories anymore and I'd argue this, along with Chinatown, kind of reignited the love that people have for this genre. Yeah, so I thought, like, probably one half it, it was like before plus. this, you had like the original Scarface. I don't know if anyone saw the original Scarface, oh, but yeah. it was a very one-dimensional kind of perspective on these gangsters. Like they were just seen mm-hmm. as bad guys with no redeeming qualities or any understanding of why they do what they do. And that's kind of, I think, what motivated Brian De Palma to remake that film later in the 80s to try to add more dimension to that character. Um, and 
yeah, like those crime films were, were big in like the 1930s and the film noir days, but they were also quite heavily censored by the Hayes Code, um, oh, yeah. which uh, was like the classic um, censorship um, rules that were put in place for these violent kind of films. Scarface was one of the early ones pre-Hayes Code uh, before any of that was implemented. But um, yeah, before this, uh, gangsters were seen as like one-dimensional and violence because I imagine it was pretty raw at the time. Like they were active in the in the 30s and the 40s, but um, yeah. and it, it would have taken some time later in the 70s where they actually reflect and look at these people as real people, and they did things for, you know, reasons beyond being bad as fun. Um, that's you know, that's not that's not the reason. There's there's lots of reasons. In this case, they want to persevere family image and their legacy, and there's all these complex. Um, reasons behind motivating their actions for sure yeah um but you know only time will tell like how cinema gets influenced by you know nobody knows what films are going to be like in 30 years from now so it's always interesting yeah. to see like how these movies break new ground and change the genre films that we kind of take for granted and make fun of in pop culture but you know like ignoring their important effect they are genuinely the first two movies are genuinely great movies and the third one is a movie well we'll get to that shortly but uh julia i have a question would yeah. you like to introduce the first godfather movie tell the audience a little bit about what it's about so the first godfather movie um it's about a old crime family that has a lot of hold over uh what was it new york yes yeah Forgive, forgive me if I make some mishaps. It's been a little while since I last saw the first movie. Um, but uh, we're introduced to Vito Corleone. He is the big cheese, uh, the big guy, the big boss. Um, the Don Corleone. Don uh, is how you refer to a mafia boss. Um, and where am I going with this? Okay, so yeah. So we're introduced to Vito Corleone. Um, it's his daughter's wedding. There's a big family gathering. And we are almost immediately introduced to how he basically runs his daily life. Uh, he has people asking him for favors. So it's about the... The... Um, how do I say this? Like the... Downfall? Almost like the... Yeah, not, I wouldn't say downfall. Kind of like the... Uh, the dirty deeds that people will ask him, uh, like people who yeah. have a lot of respect for him, they'll ask him to like carry out things. Like for example, that um, that father who came, um, talking to him about his, like telling him about how his daughter was attacked by those guys, mm -hmm. and was like, oh yeah, the police are, uh, they're not doing anything. But um, yeah, we're immediately introduced to Vito and his lifestyle, which carries on a lot through the movie. And um, then we're also introduced to Michael, who is a s Michael Corleone, sorry. He is a sweet little college boy. Um, he doesn't want anything to do with his um, his family business, you know. And uh, and the yeah, so the movie basically is about how Michael kind of begins to evolve into this raging cold-blooded mafia lord um and uh we see his evolution from like what i said like sweet college kid to mafia lord 
um, the downfall of his father and all the little side streets that he experiences along the way. And how and jaded I... he becomes. Yes, yep. that's a big yeah. important part of it. And what's interesting... Very well said. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what's interesting, I wanted to bring this up, is uh, Al Pacino was very quiet and subtle in this movie yes. compared to what he's like very. now. And compared to what he's like in part three, especially. Like, there's one scene, one scene where he snaps and loses his shit. And because it's the only time it <laughs> happens, it's so intimidating where he's like, don't ask me about my business, Kate. Enough. Enough! And he just slaps the table. Like, it's so intimidating because you don't see it coming. And exactly. I think that's very effective part of and portrayal of his character. Like, Al Pacino in the 70s is not like Al Pacino is now. He delivers some great performances now, but it's like a very different character. You have to typecast a very different character for him. And I just thought that was interesting. Indeed. Yeah. When I first saw the, uh, when I first saw that movie and that big freak out there, it's like, holy crap, I forgot that was Al Pacino there for a second. It's yeah. Like, he almost plays a, a completely different actor. Or sorry, Absolutely. Yeah, a completely different character in that sense. I read in the third. I read something about how in the third movie, um, because he had spent so many years smoking, uh, he could no longer go back to that kind of like soft, subdued voice because his really? voice was so ragged from the cigarettes or tobacco. <laughs> and so they were like, "Okay, let's just work with it. Like, the, we can't. We're, we're not gonna do vocal cord surgery. He is who. Like, it is what it is." Yeah, <laughs> especially considering now Pacino had Pacino problems dead. with. Uh... How part three went along, like he wouldn't have went with the surgery anyways. He'd be like, "No, you get my voice, and that's it." You know, I, I <laughs> imagine a lot of that was on the set of Scarface. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and and the voice he had to do for that character. But also, I think it kind of adds to his character in the third film. It shows just how much time has passed and how much he has changed as a person, and so his voice naturally kind of degrading like that in that way would add to that kind of character and. Anyway, we'll get into the third film and kind of the the misconceptions of it, but um, I do think that that change in his voice adds to his character in that film. I yeah. think it uh, almost has a callback to the way his father and how he sounded at the end. His father was very gravelly at the end of his voice, so was... pretty much the start of his career at the end, yeah. and how Michael never wanted to become his father, and he said, "I never wanted to be, I never want to have any business with my father." That's why he ran off to join. Uh, military instead of dropping out of college and all mm -hmm. that being there and at the end i think it i kind of in a way i kind of brush it off because i realizing that michael is basically becoming Vito in that sense I, yeah 100 percent. that's fair yeah uh, the parallels between their characters is really is really eye-opening uh, between yeah. the three films especially with the second movie but yes we're only talking about the first yeah let's series. focus on yeah, the first right. and uh how the mafia was involved in the making of this movie Wondering if you guys heard about that. So, they needed money. Studio wasn't giving them much money because they had no faith in production. And it was getting too expensive. So, the Mafia came in and offered a lot of money, a lot of locations. Uh, so, the scenes in Italy are apparently actual places where, yeah. you know, crimes took place. And Mafia lords kind of went into hiding after having major crimes done in New York. Which, of course, happens now with Chino in the movie. And But because of that... Let's make some changes to the script, and I think one of the big ones is the, oh, uh, well, A, the fact that they don't call anyone Mafia. They don't use the word Mafia at all in the movie. They use, like, oh. Guinea Wop or Guineas, but, yeah, so, 
I think that used to be something different, but they just had to throw in guineas at the last minute, which is kind of funny. But the biggest one for me is the whole, oh, we don't sell drugs to children. We're very clean in our business. And I'm like, I no, I don't buy it. <laughs> you guys, no offense, but you guys, the mafia lords, especially around that time, probably sold yeah, drugs. Yeah, we got moral anybody. standards. Exactly. And I wanted to ask you guys, yeah, like, that's, uh, that how do you? Work out that way. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you guys, like, how does that affect the movie for you? Does it like make it worse? Do, do you not really care? Because I think it is something worth addressing. Because it does kind of glorify the mafia. In a way, it's not really an accurate mm -hmm. depiction of it compared to something like Goodfellas, for example, or arguably Part 2, which we'll yeah, get into. Yeah, like, I feel like since The Godfather, on the most part, or The Godfather trilogy is very popular, I feel like a lot of non-Italians are like, oh, you're Italian? Oh, ha ha, mafia, ha, hey. And it's like, no, like, there's a lot more to, like, Italy than mm. the mafia, like, they kind of glamorized it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the portrayal was like, on a Hollywood level, it was, um, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about, I'm still learning, so I don't know a whole lot about like, mafioso history. Um, I, I think for the most part on what I know, they did a good job, but the it was... It was a more almost it, it was almost like a more in my opinion a bit of a cleaner cut version mm. of the mafia compared to how they actually were in real life because they were extremely ruthless and that's saying something for this film like I, I think for the sign this pushed boundaries but you you could go back and I'm sure you could dig up even you know more dirt on how things were and mm -hmm. the fact the mafia was involved it makes sense in in one way maybe it adds some authenticity but obviously they are very interested in probably preserving a positive image for themselves yeah. Yeah. so this was a question that i was wondering does does the legacy of these films stand to glorify criminal family life or does it act as a cautionary tale or is it kind of somewhere in between i think it's a little somewhere in between like uh <laughs> we, we we definitely see how um how sad mafia life can be and how constricting it is because mm. um, you're bound by laws and family air quotes honor and uh, rules and you know um, you can't see this family but you can talk with that family because this family is you know we, we don't talk with this people because they're bad but like yeah, there's a whole hierarchy in ancient yeah. history to the whole family history in a sense Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's a it's an empire built on bloodshed. Basically, yeah, and, and I imagine there's a lot of uh, making moles out of ant hills. Where this man insulted me like 30, 40 years ago, so we've been. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna butcher the accent, sorry. But um, <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> you know, you know, like 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 it's and this is the crazy thing, and actually this is part two, but like a a single insult in one incident can prompt someone else to murder somebody yeah. and then that creates this endless blood feud for years over yes. something that could have been resolved if they you know there's probably other ways of resolving some of these issues they're having that uh it's just a lot easier to pick up a gun i guess um <laughs> for them but um and that's the interesting thing about these films um just showing that the ramifications of that and and i think there are people that would watch this and obviously um 
like see it for the like see for the wrong things like you were saying julia that this uh poster kind of lubed in your dad's basement and this was something that he was a huge uh, fan of i've also seen this exact poster in like college dorms and mm -hmm. you know and, and young guys who you know prop probably look at it for all the wrong reasons and, and glorify yep. it for <laughs> different things. Yep. And so I think people can look at the same film and get completely different meanings out of them. And so I do think it sits somewhere in between. You can look at this as a cautionary tale for, you know, getting roped up in bad business and uh, bad family feuds, or you can see it as a glorification of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's one. Of... Sorry, go ahead. No, you first. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say like, it's one of those things like once you're in it, you can never leave. And if, even if you did try yeah. and leave, they're always going to keep an eye on you. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that yeah. whole idea is conflicted with Michael. Like, his whole arc in the movie is, like, look what they did to this innocent, naive guy who just wanted to live a happy life with his new girlfriend. He's kind of broke back into the crime business, and because he was basically spoiled with everything and given so much responsibility so quickly, he let it get to his head, and it just drove him cold and distant. And we go from like the uniform jacket he wears at the beginning of the wedding to clearly separate him from the rest of the family to yeah. a suit and a tie. Like he looks no different and behaves no differently from the rest of his family. He just let the idea of the crime family consume him. And there are people who are like, you know, Vito grew up from nothing and, you know, worked his way to the top. And, but meanwhile, Michael, you know, was given everything, and he kind of let that get to his head and drive his family yeah. apart. So there's kind of like that anti-capitalism argument to it. It's like, you know, businessmen who have to work for what they have deserve more respect versus businessmen that are handed everything on a silver platter will just inevitably ruin it to the ground. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do agree with that. Was there a particular sequence in the film that stands out to you? Because I feel like there's so many different montages and sequences and scenes with the cinematography and the editing that like really stand out, but I want to know your personal favorites. Is it okay if I go ahead? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go for it. Personally, I just love the whole post-World War II, 1940s uh, what's the uh, aesthetic? Uh, uh, aesthetic. I'm also thinking... Uh, the, here, see, what's what's this? Uh, the transatlantic accent and everything about that. The whole kind of time and everything. Yeah, I actually learned something uh, a little bit off topic here. That transatlantic accent was developed because uh, microphones at the time could not pick up higher, bassier, lower resonant voices. So people developed talking like this here, see, so it was easier to hear them over the radio. Yeah, that's true. They raised their pitch so you can yeah. notice the higher pitch on the radio. I remember I just that. love the no whole idea. aesthetic to that. Yeah, was, was I just I just figured that out uh, a couple of days ago actually. But mm -hmm. back on topic, uh, yeah. I love the whole. You see, like the big Italian wedding, everything there, and the wedding there is one of my favorite uh, scenes there, right in the beginning. Basically, you see all the ladies chatting around, they're making all the jokes. Uh, uh, the guy's talking, hey, I got two gabagool, I got two capricola sandwiches. <laughs> it's just like, mm, that's delicious. For, for those uninitiated, the gabagool is a capricola sandwich on a piece of bread, usually some fresh mozzarella, usually a little bit of basil, a little balsamic vinaigrette if we want to get fancy up there. Mm. Stop making me hungry. Fantastic. 
and uh, I hope, I hope I have enough energy as the old guy singing at that wedding there. He's just <laughs> singing in Italian, and he's bouncing, and he's dancing. I don't know the lyrics to that, and I'm not going to try to butcher that, but I hope, I hope that in my years, I hope that I have enough energy to be like him. But hands, all down, <laughs> hands down, the most iconic yes. scene would I have to narrow it down to two would be the iconic scene where the gentleman wakes up in the morning and he finds his prized stallion in bed with him. Oh yeah, yeah. with his awful uh, blanket and his yes, shitty bed. His awful blanket. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How do you sneak that horse set in there? I, I, I just I gotta address that. that. Well, shitty bed. Yeah. <laughs> There's and an interesting story behind that. Sorry, oh. uh, Matt, uh, go on with the last uh, scene. But um... And uh, the second one, and, it, and it's like tying, it's like neck and neck is, uh, look how they massacred my boy, poor yeah. Sonny, and all that. It's like, no, yeah. not Sonny, no. And the father no. thinks, and the guy there thinks he's covering up a murder or something. He sees yeah, the son, it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, I remember the first time it's seeing that, scene. I'm like, no, I couldn't remember. I couldn't just get over that. So that's that's all I'd have yeah. to say. Yeah. But going back to what we were saying before, yes, I can't believe. Like, how are you still asleep and someone slides that into your bed? Yeah. Just... <laughs> well, <laughs> here's here's the really interesting thing about that. So Francis Ford Coppola later admitted that the way he read the scene. Uh, for that was a misinterpretation on his part. He thought that he woke up with the horse in bed, but apparently the way it's written in the book is not exactly that. So that was him mis kind of interpreting that um, whole thing. Like, I, I, I guess the horse's head was like put on a pike or something in his room. Like, it wasn't put in bed with him, but that was how he misread it. And that's why um, that scene is what it is. And they're talking about in the behind the scenes how they had to get like a horse's head like a non-natural one but uh they got this old like dusty one left over from some hollywood set i guess and they had to like paint it the right color to match yeah. the horse that they sh uh, show earlier just a little interesting kind of tidbit but that the reason it's in bed with him is because francis Ford coppola misread uh how it was in the book and he that that's how he thought it was mm. but um that's interesting. Yeah, Even still, it's I, it's a it's a good it's a good suspenseful lead up. It's like the music. He's like he's crawling over in bed. It's like what's this on my hand? Huh? This that's yeah, that, that's a great build it's up. It's on to my it. sheet. What's this? And he and he's slowly pulling mm -hmm. it away. And the music's building. And he pulls it off. The music stops. And it's just the pure look of absolute terror on this guy's face. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's it's very it, good dramatically and cinematically. Like, it is, like it's very impactful. It's been referenced yeah. so many times in pop culture. Like mm -hmm. I could go off on a tangent on my fingers here. How many times I've seen that referenced in Family Guy, in South Park, in yeah, Family Guy, especially in Friends. <laughs> you you name it, it's been referenced. It's one of those scenes you've seen, if you, even if you haven't seen the movie. The movie Which is like that, very case. much so. Absolutely, including the, I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, leave the gun, take the cannoli. I think that was straight up Absolute, reference to the All the famous oh. lines. I, I, all the famous lines. Ian, now that you mentioned that line, uh, like drop the gun, take the cannoli, or something. Um, yep. it's, it's this shot that I highlighted. So yes. I have this. Uh, 
this this book that I absolutely adore. This is the book that got me into cinematography and filmmaking in general called The Filmmaker's Eye. And they talk about this one shot in The Godfather that you could say almost encapsulates the whole story in one kind of clear, cohesive image. And this is when they go to shoot the guy off the side of the road and they're out in this uh, kind of wheat field, uh, secluded, and far in the distance of the frame, like you, you see the guy, he's about to get shot in the back uh, from the back seat of the car. But in the shot, you see the Statue of Liberty. And this statue is seen prominently throughout all these films as like a symbol for freedom and whatnot. In this shot, you see the statue facing away. And you, you could read into that as like, you know, how all these uh, crimes kind of go unseen, kind of, and, and, and it's kind blind. of. Yeah, and you, you, there's, there's so many ways you could read into that, but just the art of composing this image where it's very minimal that anybody could watch this shot out of context and understand kind of the meaning of it. Mm -hmm. And and what's happening, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and that's, you know, I really have to praise the cinematography in this film, and I don't yeah. want to get too technical, but he Gordon Willis was moves. the cinematographer. Yeah, yeah and, and actually I have to commend him for creating a... To creating like a consistent look across these films because there was a 15 year gap between the second one and the third one but it looks like it belongs in a chronology well. yeah and yeah. apparently he was given the nickname the prince of darkness because of how underexposed a lot of the scenes <laughs> were like they yeah. deliberately went for a very dark look for these films and that's one of the things that bugged me for the longest time because i was watching this on like bhs or some inferior <laughs> um dvd oh on, on, on a dark tv so it was the, the, these films when you watch them on an inferior format look terrible almost like they they they're they're they're, they're very difficult but when you actually blow it up to a full screen in a dark room and you have the level set right you can see exactly what they were going for and i think something that gets lost in translation when you put it on different formats is um yeah. This is actually what happens anytime widescreen movies go to VHS. I always say, look how they massacred my boy. They crowd the frame. <laughs> but but also the light levels, like you know, like like this film can seem very dark and hard to look at if you watch it in a in a, in bad with in a bad environment with bad settings. But when you, when you see it properly, it looks gorgeous. You can see exactly what they were going for with these dark scenes. And that was a really risky move back then too, because they, you know. They, they, they would only tolerate a certain amount of underexposure back in those days. but um, And also the way that he lit uh, Vito Corleone, he had the light angled at a slightly higher angle than you would normally so that you see more shadows under his eyes. And that kind of made his figure look more uh, skeletal Gaunt. and more yeah. menacing. Yeah, more intimidating. Uh, more gaunt. So, Not hey, all this to say is just amazing how these subtle light changes and these subtle uh choices in the cinematography really influence the characterization and how we view it yeah the lighting is some of the best i've ever seen in the film especially in part two there's a shot with michael in the epilogue in particular that i gotta talk about later but i, just, I really want to talk about it, but i gotta save that for another time and that was also something the studios hated because they had the exact same concerns you had Devin, that home video would be screwed over <laughs> by this dark lighting like nobody would be able to watch it on their tvs at home because it's so dark and they couldn't see anything so the cinematographer and francis for coppola basically had to fight to keep that style in the movie and, and, I, that, and that, that sense of discomfort almost adds to it because you're supposed yeah, to feel so a little to unnerved by what they're doing. It's the atmosphere. It's this this intentional dark atmosphere they're creating for these films. So, you know, it absolutely feeds into it. 
Absolutely, and for my favorite sequence in the film, personally, God go of the scene where Michael kills Salazzo. Like that's a fantastic build up. There's yes, the the little mistakes he makes are my favorite part about it because it adds so much tension. Like he he was supposed to get out and kill him right away, but he doesn't. He hesitates and sits at the table. Uh, he takes to you know he looks too suspicious. He goes to the bathroom at the wrong time, and he has to check him again. He takes too long to find the gun. He doesn't drop the gun right away. Like so many details that make it so much more believable and intense. It, it's just such a perfect scene, perfectly lit. I even like the use of the language barrier. Like that was something that pissed a lot of people off. But I kind of like the message behind the language not being translated because Michael isn't focused on the conversation. Exactly. It's a way of telling the viewer that he's just focused on killing Salazzo, and he just doesn't care about what he has to say, except for one specific moment. And he just kind of rolls his eyes and blows it off, like, okay, like, you're just full of shit. <laughs> I'm gonna grab a gun and kill you now. Like, it's so... Yeah, that's what I was expensive. wondering about, is, um, you know, there there is that moment where he speaks Italian, but it's not translated. I'm wondering if you know any Italian, Julia. Did you know what he was saying? But Yeah, I was gonna ask that, too. I don't know what he was saying, but I, he was saying something along the lines of, oh, you know, like, you can't trust this guy. Um, don't worry about him. Something along that. But yeah, I don't know. What's it about message. the dirty cop they, they were, were talking, talking about? about the families Sorry? And their, and their oh, okay. That's, that's about it. That's, that's all I could pick up, is that yeah. not to trust the guy... Uh, it's time to stop this fighting here. Yeah. They could work something out, and then... And, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think the only part I got was... Uh, uh, he said to Kozi... Uh, hmm, and he looks over at the cop. Like He was probably like, how do I say this? Or how do I put this? Like That's the only one part I could kind of understand. But there's so much you could see in the actor's face that mm -hmm. just tells him everything that you need to hear anyways. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think you made a point that a good point that they probably intentionally didn't translate those just because it's put 100%. you in Michael's head mindset that he isn't really focused on this conversation. He's working up the nerve to kill them both, basically. Yeah. So the yeah. conversation's I never like of it that way. I, I never heard of that thing, but hearing that now, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah it adds mm -hmm. so much to the scene. Julia, what's your favorite scene or sequence in the movie? Please. So I'm gonna add on to the scene where. Uh... He kills Salazzo because that scene is gold. And I just want to say, one part that made me guffaw out loud was um, when a cop, he's like, he's like a whole pack of Wonder Bread. He is super white. Doesn't, you know, doesn't, he, he's like, he's like Wonder Boy. Wonder Bread. Wonder Boy. Well, that's the Italian food here. <laughs> what, 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 what's yeah, that really white Italian bread? You don't know bread. what he's the talking logia? about. Oh my what, what, What's that really white Italian bread? <laughs> um, so... Tried and veal. he's just oblivious. He's looking at the at the menu, and he's like, "How's the veal here?" And Salazzo's just like, "Try it, it's the best right, in the city. Have the, the veal." City. And yeah, and then he says, "I'm going to speak." Like, no it's... idea what's coming to him. Yeah, I know. And, and he says, "I'm going to speak Italian." And he's like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." I'm like, "You, you don't want to understand what they're saying?" But I kind of wish he would have said, "Is oh, it's it's to die for." I'd be like. That would have been too much. That feels like something the third movie would do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But uh, one of my other favorite scenes was when um, oh, I forgot the name of Connie's husband. Uh, uh Carlo. Oh, that Carlo. Yes. Shit. They're actually good friends um, outside the movie, which is kind of funny. So, uh, Carlo, we flashbacked or at some point in the movie to when Carlo and Connie are living in their New York apartment. And, um, basically, Carlo is, like, being, like, verbally abusive to Connie. Yeah. He's, like, throwing stuff around, and, like, she's really upset. Um, and he 
I think he slaps her or like punches her in the face. Oh, he takes his belt. He, he straight up takes oh, out his belt. He takes his belt and he starts and he starts beating the crap out of her. And she has and to corner herself of the knife it's, into the bathroom. It's and so it's visceral. it's sad because we see the bathroom door like almost shut and we just hear Connie screaming and Carlo yelling. And then Sonny finds out that his little sister, I think that's his little sister, yeah. Yep, yep. Sonny finds out that his little sister is being beat up by Carlo again. And then we see Car and then we see um Sonny, Sonny who Get makes his way over to the apartment and just drags Carlo into the street and starts kicking the absolute crap out of him. Yeah. It was so satisfying. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Sonny, you kicked that dirty old yeah. Bastard. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was I, so yeah, good. I, I made a mistake. Uh, so we don't see Carlo beat her up. That's the second time he she beats him up, and then Carlo Sonny gets shot. This was like after the fact, and he's like, "No, please, don't do it." I was like, "Oh, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna make my uh, sister yes, widow?" Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. I, that's what uh, I did there. I, that's it's weird. All this like, kind of kind of clumped together. I mean, it's like it's a three-hour yeah. movie. We each like three four-hour movies. We watched three of those to get ready for this episode. So it's a lot of information here. It, yeah, it's a lot true. of stuff. I keep mixing up scenes from other movies. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 they they really don't feel their runtime. I feel like they just go by, which is yeah, the really... first two, yeah, for sure. Yes. I, I... First. <laughs> yes, you're, the first. You're, you're, you're not bearing the lead on that at all, are you? <laughs> no, we tried to be impartial, but not for this one. Like, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. But no, but, um, but no I, I think that really stands to the quality of these films is that, you know, p people watch and rewatch these films over and yeah. over, and they're really long movies. And for most people, that'd be like insufferable to sit through like two and a half or three hours of stuff. But these, these films just, they don't feel the runtime. And yeah. that really. Yeah. It, Speaks the quality of them and the violence in these films are really like oh yeah. 100 uh, gun like, sounds when, um, are fantastic Carlo, for the time period yeah like when carlo was being beat up by uh sunny you know how like and i feel like in north american action movies there's like a lot of like that's to like here and there and like everything's like all close up and like really fast but like we see him like being like dragged out into the street and it's like a full panning shot of just like sunny just like literally just like kicking him punching him and then carlo trying to get away and sonny's just like walking behind him slowly and then he pushes him down the stairs to like this basement apartment door and i'm like that that is sad mm -hmm. r.i.p carlo yeah because of the way it's shot you're just constantly wondering when does it end when's he gonna it's stop it's not gonna end yeah <laughs> I, I i think he yes, bites his God, fingers at one point too because yeah. he's handing on he, he's like hanging on to the rail and he's like not letting go so he bites his fingers like just details yeah. like that like th these are not pretty fights these are very ugly uh, the domestic violence oh, is just awful but i think it's very like revealing and it shows the kind of yeah especially for the time like doors. there's a scene where carlo gets like zip tied at the end of the movie and his feet are like breaking through the window and there's like really nasty sound effects like it's so visceral like, oh, I don't remember it, that one. Yeah, Which well, was that? that's a, that's when Carlo dies at the end of the movie. Clemence is like, "Hey, Carlo, how's it going?" And he chokes him to death, and his feet kick through the window and break the glass. Like that's uh, such an effective that, scene, yeah, and yeah, also yeah. a good way to cover yeah. up. Yes, kill him. Yeah, yes, and that's like a good way to cover up any potentially bad effects too, because yeah. it's like we can't really see what's happening through the glass, but there's enough left to the imagination there that we could just put it together i think that's a big reason why that's the most memorable hit scene to me there's no like somewhat dated like gunshot wound sound effects or cuts or anything like that because the action is 
covered up just enough that we don't really see <laughs> the awful yeah, thing I, behind I think, the scenes. I, I think showing ju ju just enough restraint in the yeah. camera work that they don't have to have a close-up of every kill. Yes. And, and it works in their favor because then they can, you know, get away with not... Well, they, they can throw their punches. They can really... He can really, like, not look like he's having to choke the guy if he's kicking the windshield as well. Just, just have, having the camera back up. and also shows how distance this distant this violence is like people yeah, especially to michael yeah like it's it's distant like michael's not involved the whole sequence where his uh son is getting back i forget if it's the son or the daughter but he's baptizing one of his children little Sophia well yeah little <laughs> yeah Sophia <laughs> coppola and but and while he's baptizing his child he has all these head the heads of the families getting murdered oh, that man. whole montage sequence is absolutely iconic and that's action. my favorite hit scene yeah, there you go. That's up it's there. It's just cut back and forth with the bells and the mm -hmm. chanting and just Michael dead crying, just giving the giving the vows, and it's just everyone just bling, 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 just cutting back and forth. It's like, hmm. whoa. Yeah, and the symbolism I, I think it shows behind the, that. Yeah, sorry. It's like on. the cognitive <laughs> dissonance that he has to develop to to, 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 to become the leader. Like, he is cleansing himself of sin. Uh, like figuratively while also committing like the worst stuff and trying to best his enemies so that's the kind of character he becomes that's when he really becomes the new uh yeah, yeah exactly Agreed. uh and yeah exactly there's the symbolism behind that too where he's becoming a symbol you know he's becoming a godfather for connie's daughter but he's also mm -hmm. becoming a godfather in the crime world officially just that symbolism alone and the editing and the tension and the build-up it's so perfectly executed. Like, there's a reason that scene is referenced so often and parodied so often in other movies. It's just, it, it's earned its iconic state in cinema. Which is kind of something I was worried about this movie going in. Or it's like, is it just overrated? Is everyone parodying and referencing this movie because it's famous? Like, I, I feel like some movies around the time kind of were, but I genuinely enjoyed this film. Don't 100% agree on the pacing, admittedly. Like, I always felt like the second act, while it does have some great scenes, the look how they massacred my boy, and the stuff that happens with Sonny and Carlo is great. I don't really buy the relationship between Michael and Apollonia, and it wouldn't bother me so much if so many people didn't treat it as such an important moment. Like, oh, when Apollonia died, Michael died with her, and that was the only woman he truly loved. I was like, I see? Like, I don't really forgot about the fact that he marries another woman in Sicily. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just glossed over. Exactly. It's, it's like we're waiting in Sicily. What's the point of all this? Say, yeah. And what do they see in each other? Like, <laughs> is she hot? Description is that of what it? goes on in Sicily. Okay, they're playing the theme song over and over and over again. Great. Okay, it's a great theme. And his infidelity. His Fidelity is to, is perfectly conveniently buried by the fact he dies in a car explosion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's never brought up again in the first or the second movie. It's only until the third movie where they bring it up. And I was like, yes, finally, somebody's addressing this plotline exists. And Julia, yeah. I wanted to ask real quick. Um, yeah. Their relationship is so undercooked in the movie. Like the whole time, I'm like, what? What do you see in each other? Like, what's your chemistry here? I'm wondering if Wait, maybe. So can you repeat the question? Did the book flesh out the relationship between Michael and Apollonia better than the movie? Oh, did? I'm not that far yet. Okay, because yeah, that's that the whole yet. time I was thinking like. Uh, but that I, does concern me as well. Yeah, because um, I also read apparently Francis Ford Coppola had a director's cut that was only two hours, 
like just over two hours and they actually asked him to add more content to the film i'm kind of wondering if that stuff was extra content because it does kind of have that shooting in a different location shooting a different day different season kind of feel to it i almost wonder if that was it's, kind of thrown in there it's also weird how quickly they got together because like he, he literally just sees her like walking around and he's like instantly infatuated She's hot. <laughs> and, then, and, and then they happen to be where her father works and she, he doesn't like the fact that uh his girl's getting eyed by these people that then the second he said oh i'm michael corleone and this is who i am suddenly he's okay with it and... Yeah, I guess he, you know, he is a Corleone. He does have a pretty high stance, but uh, people hate this trope, and that's the trope of, like, the lovers that hate each other at first, but then grow to carry each other. But I think it could work in that instance. Like, at first, she's like, no, you're kind of creepy. You're only doing this with my fam. I'm only doing this because my family wants me to. But then maybe they could develop, like, a genuine love for each other. Like, just, just give yeah. me something. Give me something it, where I can It feel feels like death. a business transaction, like ultimately between the father and Michael to, to marry her off. Yeah. Like, plus, she, plus, she looks really young. I don't know. Mm. Uh, he was pretty young. Like, I feel like they might have been trying to show Michael um, trying, attempting at having like a second Normal life. Normal life, yeah. Like a life outside of the crime world. But um, which is funny because it's in Sicily, which is basically mafia town. Um, oh yeah. And I'm like, why? If you want to have a life outside of the mafia, why are you in Sicily? Like, come on, man. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I'm, but, I mean, uh... it, it seems like he was flexing his family's name too. Like he's saying a lot yeah. of people pay for the information that I'm a Corleone, and like he's 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 really uh, waving his. Aren't you in hiding? Card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aren't you in hiding? Why are you like, just he's, telling he's this random else, people? Not yeah. Sicily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Northern Italy. Yeah, they are. So I, I just want—I just want to make sure I get my geography right. So Sicily is like the rock that the boot of Italy is tripping over, right? Yes. Yes. They're okay. across from Calabria, which is gotcha. where, my family, where my dad is and, from. Oh, right on. And yeah. is it true the waters all around uh, Italy and uh, Sicily and Malta are like ten percent olive oil? Or yeah, did ask I... that question again. I'm gonna scream. <laughs> God damn it! I'm sorry. It's in our blood. I can't help it. I'm joking. Right. I'm, I'm quite sure it's not true, and if it is, that's a waste of olive oil, and they'll be very upset. Come on, man. Put that. Put that shit no, in pasta <laughs> and ravioli. No, that that, that 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 that's my satirical joke on misinformation on the internet. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Uh, it's all <laughs> well good. Done. And yeah. uh, it's probably not going to be I the think last we're going to hear. That so. part of the story <laughs> just really dragged for me, and um. Marlon Brando's great, but pop culture kind of made him a joke for me. I had a hard time taking him seriously in certain scenes. The, look how they massacred my boy. It's a good scene, but meme culture is <laughs> meme that to the point where it was just kind of funny. And I know it's a film from the 70s, but man, some of the ADR in this movie was uh, rough. I don't know if you know this, the uh, I taught the Barzini <laughs> with uh, so Mo Green. ADR, that's like additional dialogue recording where they record dialogue yeah, after, after the, the fact. fact. Yeah. And, and, and like yeah, the splicing is uh, pretty obvious sometimes when it's pretty bad in in scenes. Yeah, <laughs> especially the when they're driving and, and you see them oh like God. you see shots of them driving and they aren't even moving their mouths. <laughs> it's like come on, have them like mimic dialogue a bit. But it's more forgivable in these movies because they're from the seventies. It's again, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, the the, the technology for re-recording and and editing these things after the fact was very uh, limited compared to today. Absolutely. So. It's more you can expect you can expect some rudimentary edits in these films, especially mm. uh, 
there's another Italian subgenre, but but like yellow films, like the horror films uh, made in Italy <laughs> at that time, yeah. especially, um, yeah, some some bad uh, oh, and interesting. Oh yeah. Oh, Suspiria. I love that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's, it's very a good. very pretty oh, movie. It's fantastic. It's very it's, pretty. It's one of the most beautiful horror films ever. Yeah. Uh, Made. Yes, yeah. that is that is a that is a accurate it's description. Very pretty. But yeah, I kept yeah. on seeing that in its original language because I feel like the dub kind of ruined the movie for me. It's like it just feels like a bad martial arts film. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> always, uh, that, 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 always. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing when when uh they when when Italians try to make movies that aren't in it, it, Italian. I mean, the English can be a little uh, jarring. Yeah. A, a, sure. a bit, bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, but that anyway. Of any language barrier. Can I go on a slight tangent just to play on what Ian said about uh, uh, Marlon Brando being memed? Please. Good for uh, it. Right, go ahead. Okay, so go it's a very it. quick one. Okay, so long ago, in I think it was the year 2010. Oh, God. 2010. That was a horrible year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a movie that came out called Jack and Jill. It's an Adam Sandler movie. Um, and Al Pacino uh, was in it. Al Pacino! Al Pacino <laughs> was basically this actor who um, was like, they were trying to get, so Adam Sandler's character is like this marketing guy. And he's trying to get Al Pacino, who actually plays Al Pacino in the movie, <laughs> to sponsor Dunkachino, which yes, is this Dunkin' so Donuts new coffee. And we just see Al Pacino... And he's like, what's my name? Dunkachino! He's dancing? In the, in the comments, he like spins around and does flips and stuff, and it's terrible. And I don't know if he does a flip, but it's... Obvious stunt doubles. Yeah. No, no. And then, um... In the chat, so... Please. And then, uh, we see, uh... And then we see the comments on, like, the YouTube click, because you can search it on YouTube. And everyone is just like, my boy, look what they did to my boy. Yeah, that that's a fair assumption. My favorite line is, uh, say hello to my chocolate blend. Did you hear the uh, Duke Nukem version of that? Yeah, did you hear the Duke Nukem version of that song? They just got the actor of Duke Nukem to sing it. It's like, what's John my name? John do that? Oh my god. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I love John C. I'll, John. I'll find a link for that. But yeah, besides that, I have no other problems with The Godfather. The first and yeah. third acts are almost perfect. If it was just the first and third act, this movie would be like a 9.5 or a 10. Mm -hmm. But as it stands for me, second act does drag a bit. Certain characters didn't really work for me, but still a great movie. 8.5 out of 10. What about you guys? I think it's a terrific film that's only been slightly uh, diminished by uh, meme culture and frat boy culture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a solid film that, for its time, really took a hard look into the mafioso lifestyle and all these uh, familial kind of bloodlines uh, being shed and exposed. Um, that yeah, with 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 every kind of rewatch you. There's more you can get out of it. Like I like the, you know, I like uh, what uh, Matt was bringing up about the food and all these little details that I might not pick up on being uh, someone who's not a Italian. Um, <laughs> but no, it's there's more that I can well, appreciate. The more well, that I, just I the, cringed hearing you saying that. I, just, I, I, I cringe. I, I cringed as I said it. I was instant regret. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, okay, I, I found Dunkachino. I am posting it in the chat. All right. <laughs> Devin, oh, no. good timing. <laughs> but no, it's. I, 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 I think I think it's a great film, um, and I'm gonna give it a solid nine. Nice. Yeah, that's right fair. On. Julia. 
Yeah, what about you? I will give it a solid nine. Um, as well, I have I feel that I have a strong connection with these movies because you know, being a Southern Italian, um, it it's centered around Southern Italian culture, uh, specifically the mafia, which is not all about Southern Italian culture. Just a footnote. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, footnote. no, it's um, it's so well done. I love the music, um, the lighting. The, uh, oh yeah, the casting. We didn't even talk about Every- the music. Oh man, everything and um, yeah, well done, well done. Yeah, nice, Matt. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Uh, similar to my uh, cohorts here, I am going to give the film a nine out of ten. I love it to death. Being a Godfather myself, uh, being raised Roman Catholic, it's very uh, stays very true to the whole themes of family and you know staying close with each other and everything here i feel like it's very well done i i am going to retort and say that it is benefited by all of pop culture and all of the memes it makes it that much better hot take a lot of you Mm. and (laughs) i stand by that thank you very much there's two ways of looking at it and speaking (laughs) of two ways of looking at something we got a second movie Matt, would you like to introduce Godfather Part Two? Absolutely, Part my friends. Oh, do, do I have to get out the? Do I have to get out the music again and do the do the? But this time, do Michael Corleone. Do it. Don't do, do it. Don Corleone. Uh, how how do I do uh, Michael Corleone? It's, it's basically just like do a, younger oh, version of Michael Corleone. Younger, younger version of Michael Corleone. Okay, okay. Just give me one sec. Where's where's my phone? <laughs> We're leaving this in. <laughs> It's like angry Al Pacino. It's up to you. Yeah. Okay, okay. What's that, boy? <laughs> <laughs> just, just gotta throw in a. You won't take my That's gonna clear your throat. Godfather Part Two basically starts off with the story of Vito Corleone when he was only nine years old and his entire family was massacred. I, I realize that I'm going more like Christopher Walken right here with this whole impression. Keep going. Really Don't stop. <laughs> Just keep uh, it going, keep it going. Don't stop. Uh, so we bounce back between both Michael and Vito, but we see Vito as a young man making a name for himself, portrayed by a lovely Robert De Niro, who does portray a bit of a uh, uncanny resemblance to a younger Marlon Brando. But this story picks up after Michael assassinated all the five family head members and the remunerations from his horrible actions. Okay, what was that? Bravo, Bravo. grazie. Bravo, that was uh, fantastic. I applaud (laughs) you, sir. Yeah, Godfather Part 2. The sequel nobody thought was going to happen. The sequel where Francis Ford Coppola had complete control. Like, the studios didn't bug him. The mafia didn't even bug him this time. I believe they were basically like, you know what? You made the first movie. We're going to trust you. And because of that, this film kind of felt more honest to me. It's more dark, it's colder than the first film, but I think it's so much better than the first film in almost every way. I think the representation of the Mafia is more morally ambiguous and interesting. The new characters are fantastic. The music is still great. The lighting may be even better in this film. The shot of Michael just slinking out of the shadows near the end of the movie where he sees Fredo get killed and just slink back is so incredibly effective and with a perfectly timed bird on top of that is 
this is one of my favorite movies ever made and one easily the best sequel i've ever seen but i want to see what you guys think because a lot of people were kind of mixed on this movie when it first came out like people either loved it and said it was on par of the first film or people said it just didn't hold a candle to it i'm wondering if you guys think it's better or worse than the first film and why you feel that way start with you julian matt because i believe you guys are new to the sequels hey well um I thought there was definitely more, um, whatchamacallit, it was like, there was definitely more zhuzh in the second movie. Like, we really see Michael coming into his role as Don Corleone, and um, he's no longer like, like we see in the first movie, he's no longer that timid, quiet, well-mannered college kid. He is now a full-fledged Don, and he's ordering a lot of dirty orders, uh, carrying, having people carry out dirty deeds, and like we kind of see him coming into his own in that sense. Um, so I, I thought that was really well played out. Um, I found that maybe I gotta watch it again, but I found that there were a bit of story tangents that I didn't qu quite follow. Um, mm -hmm. like it kind of like moved back and forth a little bit, but oh, yeah. like I said, maybe I gotta watch it again. If I watch it a third time, um, I it will probably make more sense. But uh, overall, I thought it was well done, and um, we see Michael evolve into a raging mafia boss, um. And become even more jaded than he was before. <laughs> he lose oh yeah, like humanity. his. Yeah. He, he seems very emotionless, kind of through a yeah, lot of this. Like he's um, very almost, cold. He, he's very stoic. He seems like he really has to put on a hard kind of face to deal with everything that he's doing. And yeah, like the parallel cross cutting. I remember first time watching this like years ago, um, and I just didn't get a lot of it. Like. There's a lot that happens. Watching yeah. it again, it almost felt like I saw, I'm seeing it for the first time, just because there was so much that happened that I just didn't remember about. But I was, I think I was really able to appreciate it this time, um, like seeing kind of where Vito uh, came up from and why he he does what he does. Um, the fact that his uh, family was was um, massacred, like his older brothers were revenge after yes. their father was killed. Yeah, who, 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 man, who kills a child already? Like. Yeah, right in off a the Hollywood movie, especially a nine-year-old. Yeah. yeah, and then like, and then his mom has to convince him, uh, or has to convince the boss that his uh, youngest son is too dimwitted to try to carry on revenge. So sad. It's so sad. Oh my god, that's it's such it a was heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. She and was like, was... "Please don't kill my only son. He's the only one I have left." And he's like, no. "Just sips a glass of wine." No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nah, I don't feel like it. I don't so think that's quite all I want, but... So gratifying to watch him get gutted at the end. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Great hit scene, for sure. What about you, Matt? What'd you think? Uh, like I said, it was the first time uh, for me watching the uh, Godfather Part 2. I absolutely love the first one. Uh, I absolutely love the second one. I And I would say I would prefer the 
the second of the f of two for the story purposes, but for the first one, I enjoy it just for a classic. You know, there's no famous lines. Mm. We don't get any Marlon Brando in the scene, but we do get Robert De Niro, which, like I said, is a, is a very good comparison. Robert De Niro looks uncannily like a young um, uh, Marlon Brando. Yeah. So oh, it's near that perfect that casting. Perfectly mimics perfect his voice. Casting choice. And yeah. it's great to see him coming up, him starting from the ground up. And like I said, uh, my grandparents were in immigrants coming over after the Second World War. They came over with one suitcase and $100 in their pockets. And this this whole story just hits right, 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 right close to the fields. Because that's, that's basically how a lot of us came to this beautiful country. Or at least into a, into a country of the sense. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I loved seeing the similarities between Vito and Michael and seeing just how dark uh, Michael has turned out, the ending scene, it's just everything, just there's not a moment in this movie that leaves you wanting more or leaves you uh, wanting less. Just, yeah, there's, exactly. there's not a wasted scene. I agree. Yes, thank you. I think that's thank you. why... That's the perfect way of putting it. Everybody complains about the length of this movie. Like, it's almost three and a half hours long, but I don't know. I feel like this is the only movie that it. didn't drag didn't for me it. in the trilogy at all. Like, it just flies by. When the intermission hit, I was like, it's intermission? We're halfway done the movie already? Like, this is insane. Like, yeah, it's I was just surprised it had an intermission. I'm like, ooh, that's nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Product of the time. It may have been, like, a mandatory studio decision, too. Like, nah, if you're going to make a movie this long, please give a people a chance to hey, take a piss break. I need to go up and uh, get a snack and get some water, so... Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, we asked this question about the first Godfather, like, most the most memorable sequence, and I feel like we gotta ask for each film now, what was the most memorable sequence in part two for you guys? Because there's a lot of them in this one, too. I started last time, so, Lady Julia, please, the floor is yours. Sure, take it yeah. away. Um, I definitely have to say it's the all-time, uh, it's the all-time shocking slash favorite scene that everybody will talk about. Um, the scene where Fredo is near the end, where Fredo is fishing alone in the boat at dusk, and he's saying the Our Father prayer. Dang, Hail Mary. Um, and then he gets. Oh shocked. man. That that yeah. scene just that shook me to my core, and like we just see Michael at the window, and he's watching this whole thing happen. And Michael just slowly turns away, and just sits down. Yeah, not just a freaking word. Links and back I'm like, into oh the darkness. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so horrifying to watch. And yeah. yeah, and Fredo finishes his prayer. We don't hear him finish the prayer, but there's just a few seconds after we cut away, and yep. we just know yeah. that the guy hitting him was willing to wait for him to finish because he kind of had a sense of respect for the guy too. Is how I interpreted yeah. it. And it was also a little sad for me. Well, a little more sad. Oh, I cried the first time I watched it. I thought Fredo was an absolute sweetheart. Uh, there it is. There it is. There I, is I was the... like, he is so sweet. He's a little mama's boy. I just want to give him a gabagool. He and doesn't a know any better. Yeah. And but you he, feel but bad he, uh, for him. But he betrayed Michael. He betrayed Michael. He, he did, but like, he was put between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. He didn't he, knowingly he betray him. No, he was going to pull ahead. I mean, man, Fredo is such a... Yeah, misunderstood character, unfortunately, uh, yeah, in, in in their family, yeah. and um, there there was also a parallel between him and the third film. <laughs> but yeah, no, that scene really caught me off guard. And this screenshot I just shared—you just see the guy pulling the gun behind his head, and it's 
just barely in frame. Like, they almost miss it in the shot as he's zooming in on the lens. How many times did they time that shot? You can't yeah. miss it. <laughs> it, I, I did. I did miss it the first time. I was surprised when I heard the gun go off in the next like shot. I'm like, wait, he was. Wait, what, what happened to him? And then I went back and I saw he was pulling a gun. I'm like, oh my god, I missed that entirely. But to be fair, the the minute I I heard that uh, they pulled the kid out of the boat and there was someone else driving the boat, it's like, yeah, this is where you're gonna die. And he so knows too. It, like it his makes, oh shit, it makes was sense. so genuine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel bad for him too. Like John Cazell should have been nominated for an Oscar for this movie, and I really don't yeah. know why he wasn't. And oh, 100%. John, man, man, John Cazell is kind of an underrated actor. He also died too soon. Like, I yeah, think way too soon. He had the same disease died in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And that caused him to, yeah, die way too soon. He was in five movies, all of them nominated for Best Picture. There was The Conversation, The Godfather 1 and 2, um, sorry, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. All wow. terrific performances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just left this huge legacy behind. I gotta it's watch so the Deer Hunter again, man. That's yeah. a beautiful movie. Julia, you stole oh. my answer, and I hate you for that. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's all right. That's right. I, I also I... just want to quickly flop back. Sorry, I just want to also no, please, quickly flop back to a uh, Fredo in the first movie. Like you know the scene where uh, uh, they're out shopping. It's Christmas time, mm -hmm. and um, Vito wants to get some oranges at the market, but then he gets shot. Yeah, and he fumbles the yes. gun. Like, and he fumbles. So and um, Fredo is just, like, Vito's lying there, and then Fredo's just sitting on the sidewalk, and he's just, like, rocking himself back and forth, and, like, he's, like, and then he just goes, Ah! Papa! And, like, he just doesn't know what to do, and I'm like, Oh my god, Fredo, you sweet boy. Yeah. Oh, you don't deserve this. We love, he he, he really the does. epitome of, of the Italian's mama, mama's boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And Frankie um, doesn't deserve that either. Frankie was yeah. just such a great new character. He was basically written in to replace Clemenza, and he just has so much personality. He's really funny, too. Which I wasn't expecting the second time watching it, and uh, the scene where he's in court, he's like, uh, "The FBI tells me this, and the FBI tells me that," and he said, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> like I laughed so hard at that. That was not the, the, guy, the guy beside him. He's just like, "What oh the my God?" What and the FBI God, agent is like, "God damn it! You fucking read this in court, <laughs> piece of shit!" Like it's so funny. such a horrifying uh, scene too. Like Michael of the brother, just that subtle fret and flex. Oh, that That's good. one of my favorite scenes. Oh, in movie right. too and yeah. the way those remember. scenes were shot was so convincing like it looked like behind the scenes footage of like courtrooms in the 70s like i don't know what it is yeah. like something about the way it's lit like how all of the extras are used it's and spooky. the ambience like people coughing in the background like there's something really tangible about it mm -hmm. yeah i'd say either that scene or the scene where Frankie is talking to Robert Duvall and they're basically subtly, he's subtly telling them you should kill yourself without actually telling them you should kill I yourself. That also made me cry the first time watching that it. one. God damn it. So <laughs> no, like, perfect. Yeah. And, well, uh, and I, I, I also like love in that you, spo you sorry, spoiled mine as well for the, uh, for that one there as well. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, in, in, in I, I, I was going to mention, it's like, he, he's talking to him, and he's talking about you know our our family uh, empire is like is like the Roman Empire, yeah. and and everything knows and everybody knows how well things went for them. Yeah. And he said that. He's like, oh god, I know what he's insinuating there. It's like, 
No, jeez. Yeah, and he reminds him about his brother and like how much they're in his care. Like, if you do not do this, we will get to your brother. Like, we know exactly oh, yeah. what he's doing and where he is. It's so horrifying and sad. And the it... way the shot in cinematography is framed with the jail cell and how it kind of it, it makes they give Robert Duvall more headroom than Frankie. So Frankie just looks more trapped in this situation, despite the fact that they're kind of mm -hmm. both. You know, locked in the same scenario. It's really, really yeah. It's, 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 it's like Robert Duvall has an out, and the other guy doesn't. And that, exactly. I, I love the subtle framing of that too. Like this feels like they just showed up there with a the camera, but where they place it and how they place the actors speak so much about the scene. And I love how they just take available spaces and make it work for the dialogue in the scene that they're telling and it's just very simple camera placement and composition but that can speak so much to what's going on and that is that that's that the art of filmmaking right there and i love it yeah there's um, so many scenes like that in the movie there's there, there's a couple shots that i i just screen grab random things through this because yeah. i was watching on uh, vlc a uh, dvd um and i love that you can just key command screen grabs i love when he shoots the one guy and the towel that he wrapped the gun with is on yes. fire yes um so much attention to detail. and then that that whole that whole scene of don felucci's assassination in the festa is is my pick for the most memorable scene there's so Good many pick. different factors with that there's the little shots like you said there's the towel on fire there's the scene of the actual festa him walking through in his big white jacket they'll kiss my hand oh don felucci buongiorno buongiorno i'm the bad guy look at me it's just perfect i've seen it reference it's it i have seen it referenced in family guy i've seen it referenced in like duke nukem games it's it's insane how uh fundamental this scene is and i'm mm -hmm. sorry i went on a bit of a tangent there I no no it's fine. a good tangent but yeah i also love this uh this statue of jesus that they're carting around with all the money tape i know right yeah that Great like symbolism. i mean subtle not so subtle kind of symbolism but there is um i think a passage of the bible that uh Catholics observe that Protestants don't, and there's other divisions that don't look at it. It's the Apocrypha. And in it there, um, there is a passage that basically is the justification that you could financially buy your way out of going to hell. Um, I don't know. It just made me think of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, how it, money can be well, tied to... Uh, yeah, I mean... You know, yeah. and but, but it's the idea how some uh, people think that you know being well off financially equals morally good. Yeah, yeah, and this was kind of Don Felucci's wake-up call to that in a way. And yeah, and I mentioned earlier the theme of like history repeating itself and what you mentioned earlier with the Roman Empire. It's like, we were like the Roman Empire, but the Roman Empire fell apart just like our family is going to fall apart. Just like how Vito's family fell apart. Like That's why the parallels to flashbacks didn't bother me at all because it all felt crucial to the story. Like, you know, they'll go from michael dealing with a family tragedy to Vito dealing with a family tragedy when they find out what happened to fredo and his birth defects like every cut to the flashback has a purpose they're not just wasting time or giving exposition for the sake of filling in a runtime like it all serves a point which is why the flashbacks don't bother me at all in this movie like it did for some people yeah, I, I I wasn't considering the the whole the final K's betrayal scene at the end because that was just it was a little uh, 
Well, I was not expecting that. Hard to watch, if I, yeah. If I'm being truthfully honest, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Terrific acting. The whole, from... the whole um, yeah. Will Ferrell meme, wow, that escalated quickly. That was just... That applies, yeah. <laughs> It was an abortion, Michael, uh, just like our marriage is an abortion, and the venom oh, just receiving in his eyes. You're just like, oh my god, dude, what are you going to do? He wanted to kill her at that very moment. Oh, he very much he, so. He wanted to kill he her. Wanted to go but there's out, an interesting you know. layer to that scene that I want to mention real quick, because he could kill her. He could have someone straight-up assassinate her, but he doesn't. And I think that's because deep down, like he kind of knows she's right. He kind of knows that he's gone too far, but he doesn't want to admit that, so he just yeah. instead kicks her out of his life, just like he did with Fredo for a while. And I thought that was really interesting. Details like that just make Michael's character so fascinating. He's never, like, he, he's cold and hurtless, but he's never straight-up maniacal. Like, there's parts wow. to his character, there's layers to his character that are just interesting to peel away. And it's interesting it's like because onions. the Mafia won't, like, yeah... <laughs> Okay, Shrek, what is with you and onions today? And, like, the Mafia, they won't, um, they kind of, like, they keep to themselves. Like, they won't herd, like, go after anybody who they don't have to. Like, you have to actually do something to them or, like, get involved in their family or their business for them to actually consider going after you. So, like, I guess, like, you can see, like, a bit of reasonable reasonable qualities but it, it's not quite enough to actually think oh yeah the mafia like they're they're okay like they're they're, they're oh, okay people no i i didn't look at it that way but yeah. michael has what, what, what about the stand up good fellas yeah. <laughs> a bunch of real, good fellas. Real, real, real upright citizens <laughs> <laughs> but, we, yeah. we kill but it's in we have money we're we're fine yeah we're that, fine. <laughs> that's one thing i love about the sequel we, though it strips that we way we kill entirely. for money it's what this great country is built on exactly and there's great line. Bada bing, bada boom. Sorry, Matt, go on. <laughs> Going what I wanted to say about the first movie, again, what Julia said, it kind of glamorizes the mafia and it kind of like Hollywoodizes it in a sense. And that's the one of the reasons I like The Godfather because you can kind of look at it like in its own little universe. Like it's Hollywood's yeah. interpretation of the the mafia universe in this whole this whole sense. It kind of you can kind of gloss over some of the things like wait fuck that doesn't make any fucking sense uh, you can kind of gloss over in those facts and it's like eh, it's a movie it's not real it's a, that, that kind of thing so it, it, it's yeah. like frat boy escapism exactly a little bit yeah <laughs> those guys which is what i was criticizing it on initially and they pile on six dollars of that uh, of that cologne that you can buy in the bathroom <laughs> their hair down with 15 pounds of gel go hey oh yeah hey, hey. how you going hey, hey. finger guns hey hey gabagool 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 you and they wear some like thrift store um leather jacket <laughs> with, a, with a with a thin thin gold chain that's how they save yeah. money in the matrix <laughs> yeah. well, you can, well the good thing about that is you can always smell them before they come in the room so yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah but in comparison Part 2 is so much more bleak and honest to me, and that's part of why I find it more engaging. Like, this is probably what families are actually like, just crazy, paranoid, greedy. Even Connie is very greedy at first, like he only goes to Michael to ask for more money, and it's only when a tragedy happens towards the end of the story that she has to step in and take care of him. But beforehand, yeah. she was just, like, part of her was angry for what happened to her last husband, but... On the other hand, she did kind of like the greed and fame get to him. Fredo did to an extent with like all of his 
I, I want to say bitches, but <laughs> all of his girls and all of the totally ways he tries to manipulate people just like Michael tells him to. It's like, oh, just put on a good show. It's like, oh, Mike, that's my specialty. You know, like everybody's consumed by this life one way or another. It's more interesting. I think one of the first lines from the get-go, you shared an image of it, Devin, when he's speaking to the sender and he says, we're both part of the same hypocrisy. Like this, this is a very... We know from the get-go this is a very different interpretation of the Godfather, but it also says like the government's no different than, you know, the slimeball criminals that try to exploit their society. That was such a good line. I love that we're both part of the same hypocrisy, but don't rope my family into this, or don't mistake my family as being a part of it, or something. Like it's that. like, all right, all right, we have to play little games. You know, play mm-hmm. yours. And aims the cannon at him. I, 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 I think he. Uh... I think he intentionally uh, mispronounces his name at first, too. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but... Oh, it he's was, racist. Yeah, he's straight up racist. It's oh, like, I don't like your racist. kind of people. And then later on, he has to be like, I love the Italian people. <laughs> They're these great, awesome people that come to this country, but we just know it's a load of bullshit. We only know it's yeah, like that, that because Michael has him by the throat at that point. Pretty much. Yeah. Both part of the same hypocrisy. You know, he yep. puts himself as a decent American just like how Michael puts himself as a decent American. It's all just a facade. And that's kind of what they're trying to explore. Yeah. I also really like this one crossfade shot where you see uh, Michael and you see Vito and they kind of cro- they, they crossfade and dissolve oh, yeah. uh, one to the other. And their, their frame kind of almost looking at each other or at least on like opposite sides. I thought that was really cool. I love. Yeah, this is when uh, this is when we see Fredo when he has the pneumonia, right? Oh, um, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah because... that was a very good transition. Mm-hmm. Because... I, I think he was having a conversation with his mother, which is the first time I think we actually see her. I don't remember seeing her in the first movie. She's in the first movie here. at the wedding, but that's about it. Yeah, oh, at the wedding. Uh, then... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I figured she must have been, but I just missed her. Like, but I, well, she I has hear time them to talk. This movie. Which, which was something I kind of read into. It was like they talk about their mother and not wanting to worry their mother, but you never see her. Like she's not really involved in what they're doing. Um, and a lot of the women kind of get sidelined outside of the business. Like, and it's yeah. the, the last shot of the Godfather is where they're shutting the door on Diane Keaton and trying to keep her out of all the bullshit they're doing. They're up to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, we didn't really. They'll get uh, most Italian mothers will get like, or Italian ladies will get like pushed off to the side like that. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's actually really, really, really bad. And there's the flashback mm-hmm. with Sonny at the end where Carlos like, hey, Sonny, we don't need to talk about the war. Hey, Carl. Sorry, uh, hey, Connie, we talked to Carlo, right? He just immediately blows her off, like, she's not even important to him, and that kind of adds some context to the first movie, because it's, like, part of and... why Sonny wanted to beat up Carlo was because he treated his sister like shit, and gave her a really bad husband, and he knew it. Like, it makes the first film better, which is something great fan sequels can do, film. yeah. It was also very telling, I think, when, um, Michael first got the news that, uh, his wife miscarried his first question was what is it a boy not is she okay yeah exactly yeah. like all you, that you, matters to him is you'd hope most people's first question if their you know wife uh, yeah. had a miscarriage supposedly like that's a traumatic thing is she okay not in not in his concern at all <laughs> yeah and compare that to how don spoke to robert duvall's character in the first movie like when he was told that sonny died he put his own emotions aside to comfort him in his moment of need. Like, he knows he's in a desperate situation. But here, 
Michael just asks if it's a boy, and he flips out of it. It's like, Dad, can't you give me a straight answer anymore? Was it a boy? Like, he doesn't care about his emotions at all. And it's such a stark contrast to something his father did right. Like, he doesn't understand how to connect his family together. Like, he's in way over his head. Details like that, I just, in comparisons like that, I just love. It's like, there, it's like, oh, wait, that's El Pacino. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> they, there's, yeah, and, uh, in my room! Where am I safe? Just that, just that general, Well, my children can play with the toys. But that works with the coldness angle so well, because you just know he could snap at any moment, and you're just cautiously awaiting the moments he does. <laughs> and, and because he's selective about his freakouts, and isn't doing it, like, every five minutes, it's so much more effective. <laughs> Like, it's yeah. really terrifying. There's parts where I was looking away because I was just so uncomfortable with his presence in this movie. And we need to talk about the music. We kind of skipped over in the first movie, so let's address it here a little bit. In the opening scene, we hear the Godfather theme, but there's something wrong with it. There's something distorted about it. There's something more tragic to it. I think that's to symbolize that, you know, the family has kind of lost their edge that they're beginning to fall apart this part of the story this isn't like the first story at all it's sending this dark and somber atmosphere through the music alone like this isn't the first movie anymore i usually hate stuff like that where it's like oh this ain't your grandfather's godfather movie but here i think it was very purposeful and effective it's lots of great I music trusts like anymore that. i never yeah. noticed that <laughs> mm-hmm and the Godfather Waltz, they always play that song every time there's business being done. Notice how it plays when Michael's talking to Kay when he comes back from Italy in the first movie. Yeah, perhaps that was like a business deal and not like reconnecting with his wife and his family. Every time business being conducted, that theme plays. Or the darker kind of tone plays as well. Uh, I forget what the song is at the climax, but it plays a few times. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. like we just know something horrible is gonna happen. It's not just business is being done, but I kind of take that as the wrong business is being done. It's like, like it's taking a toll. Yeah, like it takes a yeah. toll on the characters involved and. Yeah, it's so much, you know, it's not like the Godfather Waltz where it's like, okay, it's playing while business is being done, but it's kind of lighthearted and fun. And, you know, leave the gun, mm -hmm. take the cannoli. It's kind of funny and lighthearted, but it's just very dark and very somber. And like you said, yeah. it just leaves you feeling sick on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's very... like something bad's going to happen, but I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just let it happen already, please. It, it's like, it just what? shuts the <laughs> Exactly. Get it over with fantastic use of music in both films. Uh, yeah, the only I'm... issue I had with this is that, once again, there is some bad ADR, but I, you know, nothing quite like uh, I talked about Zini, but a few times where characters are in shadows or in cars and their mouths aren't moving, <laughs> and they have to use ADR, or when Clements and Vito are in public. Yeah, a couple times like that, but it wasn't a major issue, especially in the flashbacks, because it was all different language anyways. And I wanted to ask Julia... Uh, Robert De Niro learned this language from scratch. How did he do? Wait, I'm sorry, what? Robert De Niro uh, learned this language from scratch. He did not know any Sicilian or any Italian before doing this movie. He spent four months learning the language before I being had no in idea. It. I thought he just knew. Nope. No, he didn't. Oh my did goodness. Not. Okay, well, uh, that's an immediately that's an immediate ten out of ten on, on my end because like yeah, 
A Sicilian is very slangy. Um, Sicilians kind of have like their own. They don't call themselves Italians. They call themselves Sicilians. Right. Mm -hmm. So suave about it. Yeah. Mm. Like they're very proud. And like that. With that being said, like it's very slangy. Um, Exaggerated. Which can make it hard to learn. And the fact that he learned that in four months, that that's fucking incredible. Excuse it's my language. Insane. I think he was just reading a book like front to back and just practicing with other actors constantly. Like the yeah, amount of really, yeah. What I really liked was when like um like, you know, he would be speaking Italian and then there was this one scene where he's like speaking, 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 and then he's like, Don't worry, I make an offer he can't refuse. And I'm like, ah, there just, it is! There's the line! Ah, he, he said the thing! And, like, the amount of preparation Robert did for these roles back in the 70s. Like, Taxi Driver, he spent, like, months, like, driving around in taxis, dealing with crazy people in New York, walking the streets. Like, he sold his car and just walked to the set every day for a while. Like, he put in a crazy amount of devotion to his roles back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, uh, I really don't have i don't know do you guys have any issues with it because besides some adr i really don't <laughs> have any issues with it i no, can't I say right now anything. no what about you Devin? uh not off the bat i mean i just find so many things fascinating in it although a lot of it i couldn't remember like there's a lot to remember visiting it yeah yeah but, but there's the, there's a lot that goes on and it it's amazing like how well of a sequel it, it holds up as it just feels like a cohesive uh, continuation of the first story that improves um, on what was laid before um and yeah it's really hard to kind of nitpick i'm just trying to learn more about it like as we're as we're talking i'm just reading some trivia um but you already covered the fact that he well de niro actually lived in sicily for three whole months while studying the language and uh, months, preparing okay. for his role so he really committed to um learning these uh roles for these films and that kind of commitment you don't see too much anymore i i, no. I unless it was except for like certain actors but um it just blows my mind how much dedication and work they put into making these films to make them feel as authentic and lived in as possible um and yeah and they they, they hold up for decades on end because of that yeah. uh can i just say something real quick please yes um okay so there's this movie with robert de niro um, and uh, what's his name? Ben Stiller. I just want to say it's called Meet the Parents. Oh yes. yes. Um, Robert De Niro plays an old white guy. Just just an old white. And Is I'm like, I can't look. I can't look at you now? the same way. I see you as Don Vito Corleone. I don't see you as Robert, who lives in the suburbs. <laughs> like I don't. I can't. I'm sorry. No. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, you're the Sicilian man. What happened you're to that? You're a Sicilian. You're not Robert from I, the suburbs. I, I, I haven't seen it, but apparently he, he's even worse than Bad Grandpa. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Or, I haven't seen that, but I heard about that. Yeah. that. Have you seen The Irishman? Because he speaks some no. Italian. Yes. I heard it's good, though. Yes. Yeah, it is pretty good. It's, yeah, it's that pretty good. That movie also uh, reinvigorated my love for the chili dog. Oh god, yeah. It's Martin Scorsese. He every food scene he has is delicious. And uh, speaking of food scenes, the spaghetti and meatballs in this movie. Spaghetti bolognese. I get I'm hungry every time I see it. And Clemenza's just digging in and I'm like, I wish that was me. And just like his brother and just like uh, the brothers say, you always you take your bread and you mop up the sauce after you finish eating because that's you know what the that's best called? part. 
I don't know what it's called traditionally, but uh, Scarpetta. 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 Like that. Yes. That's a nice ring nice to it. It's the best way because you get to taste the sauce, you get the fresh bread. Yeah. You throw a little olive oil and parmesan on top of that. Oh yeah. Yep. And you just grill it. Fantastic. Ratings. One interesting even... fact I just read yeah. that um, Francis Ford Coppola wasn't originally wanting didn't originally didn't want to direct the second one because he had nope. such an awful time directing the first one with the mafia is... and everything well and the studio too in fairness well yeah but wait, 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 which makes sense but he had like martin scorsese in mind to do the second mm. one which would have been really interesting and and, and pretty and fitting i mean who else would you pick to, to do that yeah. but um i think this is the third film we'll get to the third film but i think martin scorsese's mother shows up at some point yeah she always ends up in a film of his one way or mm. another um <laughs> i don't know if has anyone seen the documentary italian american I have not. No. It's basically just Martin Scorsese interviewing his parents, and it's great. I recommend uh, it. I gotta see it, because I love his mom so much. Like, I loved her in Goodfellas. Spielberg said he, oh, she yeah. should have won a performance for that, and I 100% agree. Final ratings for part yeah. two. <laughs> Nine and a half can out I of give ten. It, I was going to say, can I give it anything other than ten? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to go higher? <laughs> Uh, is it mathematically possible? You did it for <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut, so sure. <laughs> right. Very, very very telling. I gave it to that movie. I'll give this an 11. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's so close to a 10. It's so close. Just a couple of nitpicks to take it away. But I only have like six movies I'd consider 10 out of 10 in fairness. But what about you, Julian, Matt? Oh, Matt, you go first. Uh, in the words of the Italians, Cindane. I'd say this is a near-perfect movie. I'd give it a, a hundred if I could, but uh, we'll give it just a ten. Ten. It's one of the best movies out there, hands down. It's one of, if not my favorite, uh, gangster movie that I have seen. Me too. Yeah. I'd say 9.5 out of 10. Awesome. I, I did feel a bit confused watching it at first. Um, but everything wrapped up nicely overall. And That's fair. There's a lot that happens, too. There's so I many I was characters. very pleased. Yeah, I get it. It's bookended by some emotional moments that really hit home and resonate, so... Yeah. It yeah. drives think... it on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I guess I'll introduce part three, unless you want to introduce it, Devin. Oh, I know you've been... No, no, Ian, you've been dying to talk about this one all night. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll, I'll give it a fair <laughs> shake. I just recently watched it, too. How can I stop you? I can't stop you. Go, I, do it. I, I just You're watched coming. it today, in, in fairness, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Uh, Godfather oh, okay. Part 3 uh, was made 15 years... 16 years after the second Godfather, and it's about the epic conclusion to Michael, who's kind of dealing with the trauma of losing Fredo, and has to put up with this new crime family that Andy Garcia just really wants to whack and doesn't get along with. So he's dealing with all of that drama, but he's also dealing with reuniting with Kay and getting everybody to forgive him for every nasty little action he's done in the past two films. And that's, yeah, essentially the story. There's other elements too, like a creepy incest subplot and uh, oh my God. <laughs> lots of oh, yeah. politics um... with the church. And we'll get into that in a bit, but I'm going to be honest, I didn't hate this movie as much as a lot of other people hmm. did, but I, I still don't think it's great. There's a lot about it that's kind of bad, and yeah. I feel like if certain stuff was cut out and certain things were elaborated on, it could have been a lot better, but as it stands, it's kind of a 
mediocre mess of a movie, but there were some things I appreciated about it. I didn't hate watching it, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I, I was pretty good with most of it. It's up. Why? Why were the cousins fucking again? And I, why I was think, so, again? Yeah, that's, I don't that's know. the first thing. That's the first yeah. thing I have in my notes here. Please. Why is there so much cousin fucking? Why are they fucking? Why is why Francis Ford Coppola's daughter in casted in an incest plot? <laughs> why is the cousin fuck? fucking in the kitchen? Because like, when Noah no. Ryder said no. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she said no to being Edward Scissorhands, and he said instead of ta casting an actually talented actress, I'll just cast my daughter because that's not nepotism at all. Oh, she <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was like big nepotism, either. and like I respect Sofia Coppola as a uh, as a film creator. I oh, she's I think a great she's, director. I, I, filmmaker, yes, thank you. I, I think she's great, but this was definitely like um, Francis being like, oh, yeah, well, let me put my daughter in it because, like, you know. I need to get her name She'll out there. She'll just be pretty in there. Yeah. You know, we've had a thing where we've uh, talked about directors who seem to uh, cuckold their wives in movie roles oh, yeah. where they have them sleeping with another guy. This is the only time I've seen, like, with a daughter. It's really weird when you put it that In an incest plot. And they keep reaffirming that they're cousins. Yeah, it's a line where she's like, he's like, he's... She's your first cousin, and he's like, and I love him first. It's, mm, it's weird. <laughs> oh, it's like they're kissing, yeah. hey, cuz, hey, cuz, oh, cuz. They're like, no! Please. No! Oh! God damn it. And I gotta it, say, like, not... the scene where they started kissing was weird, too. I, like, it oh was just, like, God. it was awkward. They had no I'm chemistry. Like, if I was in the room with him, I'd be like, oh, my God. It's taken so there's long. Like the what of are you doing? The dough. <laughs> there's the close-ups of them fingering the dough. Not very subtle at all. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, don't show me that. Don't put it on the chest. No, and you don't say that unless there's cheesy porn music kicking in. I was honestly expecting that. I was honestly expecting like a trumpet, like the love theme from Chinatown to kick in or something. Like it was. And you know, I could maybe forgive it if it was like interestingly written compelling but it's so cheesy and melodramatic and it's only really yeah. there because well we need a tragic love story in our epic conclusion i guess also also he he very early casually admits that he like had eight-year-old girlfriends when he was 15 or something <laughs> and this seems to turn her on um i don't know that's creepy well, yeah, it, I, I agree. It's like the first time they meet. It's like the first time they meet up, and she says, "Hey, do you remember me?" And um, like, and like I was eight, and like oh, I had a, I had a lot of uh, girl girlfriends when I was fifteen, and she's like eight year olds. He says especially eight year olds. I'm like, what the fuck did he just casually mention? Why did she bring up eight year olds? Why was she just like, oh, eight year olds? That's hot. That's really hot. And I was like, no, I'm stop. Not yeah, I'm into that eight year old dude. Yeah, also her acting. Oh. Holy Very shit. Stone She's so monotone. Oh my Dad. god. <laughs> when she Dad, dies I at the end, you. she's I like, take care of Dad, her. what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Every scene, whole a little bit the, 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 of the, yeah. effort. It, Sorry. It, her, her, her dying kind of redeemed the whole character art for me. It doesn't sound good to say, but that was a genuinely shocking moment. Like, I don't want to spoil the ending, but the fact that she was shot and was relatively innocent, relatively innocent compared to everything else, um, you know, that, sure. uh, that, that that was a heartbreaking moment in the context of the whole thing. And you, see, and you yeah. see the anguish on Michael's face. Yes. Oh, like yeah. And screaming and he, he, yeah. he can't muster up the energy to to cry out in pain 
it, it takes him a full second and it's just you're just sitting there it's like you you almost feel the pain but at the same time you realize like this is exactly the pain that he has caused so many of these people yeah how'd you yeah. guys feel about the it, ending it almost, I, i'm curious almost, I think it saved whatever problems uh, you might have th of the movie. I think it does. I don't know. It 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 feels like everything kind of comes full circle. Like uh, Matt was just saying that he's finally experiencing the pain that he's caused others in such a deep and profound way. Yeah, yeah. I see. It's a great scene on paper. Like on paper, I love the scene. But the way it was executed felt so cheesy to me like everyone yeah. just screaming yeah. yes. over the top music and compare that to look how they massacred my boy and just the subtle like he's trying not to cry and that one scene was so more, much more effective than any of the emotional beats in this Plus, movie but they, they really even, try they didn't even show Sonny's body they didn't even show any of the co like they, they, they showed his they body a little bit but it was like, like only his head. showed it over but they didn't yeah. give it like the full dun -dun close up on his body like you would see in nowadays yeah and they weren't screaming over yeah. <laughs> melodramatic music no god please no and god, on paper it's a great mind. scene but the way it was exactly. executed just kind of ruined it for me unfortunately al pacino yeah. does a good job but it's just reduced he, he to goes screaming. full pacino at the end of it oh yeah ah! Yeah, <laughs> and Walter Booth, I'll give him credit, the editor of this movie, the way he describes it makes it sound much better than the scene actually is. It's like the silent scream, the music comes to a halt as we can't hear his screams into the darkness. I'm like, Walter, you're making the scene sound better than this. <laughs> See, I would have preferred it if they just uh, cut it, the, like they didn't have him scream, they just had the music there, and then it would cut to him sitting in the chair. and Yeah. Like, and someone did that that would have been better in my opinion rather than him going ah! like, yeah. it's like well, it's it's like you, it's it like cuts a, on the screen where you sitting yeah. sitting in the movie theater and there's the or there's the big emotional scene and then there's the one person just bawling in the back of the theater it's like you couldn't hold it in for 30 more seconds like come on yeah come on man uh and that's an interesting point because the whole movie, I was just like, okay, there's certain parts that work and certain parts that doesn't. And it was just in my brain, I was trying to restructure this film in a way that worked. <laughs> you know, like, I, I said it wasn't as bad as it was. And there were some compelling plot lines. Like, I thought the stuff with Michael and Kay in particular was, like, the highlights of the movie for me. They both do a great job. And I actually bought their relationship a little bit compared to the incest uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh you know there's elements of like the kids having different views of what michael did like connie just you know genuinely believes that he wasn't responsible and his son believes that he was and creates some tension that was interesting and what if that was fleshed out that could have been a great emotional beat but instead we get church politics and incest and a stupid fucking helicopter scene <laughs> that felt that like something so of a oh diehard movie let's talk about that what the fuck? Arnold Schwarzenegger going to jump down. Yeah, it's like There's a guy who's like, "This is my lucky coat. This is my lucky coat. I can't leave my lucky coat." It's like, I couldn't take it seriously at that point. I couldn't take it seriously. Yeah, you could have just walked out, but you know. And I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you guys think would improve this movie? Because my thing is that they just restructured it and took certain scenes out and elaborated on others. Might have been better, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. Well, I feel, for starters, um, 
I don't think they he they should have involved, um, or you, you know what, involve Michael's daughter. Um, her name was Mary, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. But like, not Hail Mary. <laughs> yes, but like, not involve her as much as they did. Like, don't have her go into an incestuous relationship with her first cousin. Yeah, just and take like, that out. Don't have her do the same stone face expression <laughs> of her lip twitching every staring two into scenes. the camera. I'm like you're clearly I'm, not I'm supposed like, to do that. You know what? She's not really doing anything of substance for the plot. Like she's just kind of been like, oh, hmm. oh daddy. Oh, dad. Oh, you know why? Why baby. are you doing this? Like I, God. I'm like God. I'm like I'm like Mary. God. Stop it! Get your shit together. Get, get a spray bottle. Like, you're, you're screwing your cousin. You should. You're gonna have very ugly babies. <laughs> if they have any babies at all, they're gonna come out. We'll just take them to an institution or whatever. Oh god. Yeah, for the most part, you, um, I thought it was uh... this right now. <laughs> and he's like, the fact that he took a second is like, yeah, I gotta think about this for a second. No, you don't have to think about it for a second. Just it is no. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it is wrong. It's unholy. Just all the classes style robbed of it. But sorry, you were saying, Julia. No, it's okay. Um, I think for the most part, it was a bit of a weird movie. Like I, I was watching it, and I'm just like, oh, this is like a weird fever dream. Yeah, honestly. like it's like a weird fever dream. But I thought it was, for the most part, I liked it. Um, definitely not as, definitely not as striking as the as its predecessors um but it also wasn't as bad as i was led to believe i no, mean i guess like, we, heck, we, yeah. we, we, we 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 talked about the matrix films last week and there's quite a um a, a difference in quality i'll say um between those films so i think i was prepared for that much level of tonal dissonance where this wasn't it's just like there, there are some interesting things that they're kind of trying to parallel with Vincent kind of rising to power and Michael yeah. trying to be the better person after all these years, but he, it's kind of this inevitable vicious cycle continuing. And I do think that that was really interesting. And also, the one scene where he does kind of confess to killing his brother to the priest, I did think was genuinely really like emotional. Like I actually did welts up almost a little bit there. Like Even it was the priest a good was scene. scared when he saw it. He's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, the priest and, 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 and the priest and, and the priest straight up tells him, "You know, you're a terrible man and you deserve to suffer." But I'm going to absolve <laughs> you because that's my job. He's like, "Wow, that's admirable." And yeah. I love the way that they shot the scene with all the flowers it's, kind of around them. It this was, movie it was is beautiful. Pretty. Like, even though it didn't have the contrast, the lighting, like, the lighting kind of sucked in this movie compared to the first two, the, the framing of the shots was still very well done, and the editing... It, it felt very... It felt very soft and naturalistic, kind of like he's yeah. not living in this hard-edged world anymore, as, as hard-edged as it trying was. trying to see the he, beauty he, of it. He, 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 he's grown up, and he softened over the years in, in, in a yeah. good way. And I do think that the, uh, the lighting reflects that, but in a way that doesn't feel so tonally adjacent to like the first films like you can tell it's the same world that he's in but he he doesn't have it as hard an edge as he used to and i think that's very uh reflective in the look of it like i do think yeah. it's a beautiful film and it was a lot better than i was led to believe but there are there, there, there are some questionable things in it for sure yeah. Yeah. like very yeah, <laughs> yeah very and vincent but yeah. i thought like the hit scenes yeah you said like the cinematography is great 
Hey, another movie where editor Walter Murph, <laughs> like the English patient, kind of carries the movie and saves it in a way. The hit scenes yeah. were very disappointing, I thought. Yeah, the KKK <laughs> hit scene. Yeah, yeah, that was so yeah. goofy. Like, the scene where it's like, ah, I got you here, but it was me and the police horse all along. It was it's me, like, Dio. Joey. Yeah, like, there was bang, never anything bang. that oh, stupid that. in the first two yeah. movies. Okay. Well, this was something I was wondering about, and I was asking Julie if she knew anything about this, like these these rope fellows, because um, I figured there's got to be some thing that isn't KKK. Like I imagine this is some traditional rope thing yes, from. It is. And I guess there are like yeah different like brotherhoods that wear in this kind of garb. The KKK has just become the most famous one for very unfortunate reasons. Um. Um. Well. Yeah. I'm just gonna say, uh, southern Italy compared to like the north, like especially Sicily. They have, to this day, they hold on to some very archaic, really almost like cult-like traditions uh, that are part of Catholicism that mm -hmm. aren't like viewed in the North. Um, because like the South is like almost a little, it's a bit more rural than the North. Um, actually, it's very rural. So like they, like that that's one of the things that, you know, like those old archaic like Semana Santa robes um nobody really i'm not surprised that nobody really understands it because it's such an old tradition and it's from spain like um, I, I think mike said at one point like i don't understand why they would have a spanish tradition portrayed in an italian opera but yeah i just want to say that uh, it's kind of that's like good to how, know because yeah sorry go on sorry it's kind of like how the nazis appropriated the swastika and how the yeah. swastika was originally uh Buddhist uh, thing. They stole the Othala from the from the Norse and other things like that. It's just kind of things that has been appropriated and unfortunately has become more popular due to its uh, cultural insignificance than cultural significance. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Uh, wanted to ask you guys about the direction they take with Michael in this movie because that was a huge point of contention with a lot of people. Al Pacino himself even had major problems with the decisions they made with the character and basically got to the point where he begged for Francis for a couple of the two remakes. Uh, sorry, rewrites. And he basically said, no, just go along with it. <laughs> it's like, okay, hmm. great. So how do you guys feel about the direction they take the character? There's elements of it I like and elements of it I really really don't like but i'll get into that in a sec i'll let you guys take the floor first mike you can go ahead i felt like it's they're trying to draw far too many similarities to his character in the second movie how he's both being even more secluded but at the same time he's even more wanting to be uh like um to have remuneration and be absolved of his sins it's like it's it's he's doing it again but he's doing it harder but he's not becoming in any different sense i feel like the whole diabetes thing and his whole illness thing was very very keyed in like they should have incorporated that a little bit better into the first or the second movie or at least feels very exaggerated yeah it yeah. was very exaggerated like him like <laughs> yeah i'm like I'm, i thought he was having a heart i thought attack he had a heart attack not a stroke yeah, it, it, was it was a diabetic stroke yeah apparently they, he was very deliberately channeling shakespeare there which seems like a, <laughs> not a weird choice like Why he well, 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 and it, it's like he, he's talking about 
Thunder, harmless noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and Fredo, Fredo, so it's like, it's like you deceitful old fuck. <laughs> exactly, he's, he's, it's like, is this? It, it felt so unnatural, like it felt like so unnecessary. It felt like they pulled it off their ass. Exactly. But I feel like it like, might have also you, been you channeling. Just, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. You should have just let Al Pacino do his thing. Like they, sh like he's known this character. He's played this character before. He knows how to play yeah. this character. With all due respect. Mr. Coppola should have just been like, hey, I need some, hey, you want to do rewrites? Come here with me and let's do this together. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. it's just like, it's, they tried, but they they tried too hard and yeah. they missed the mark. They did not get so far. Yes. <laughs> and in the end, it didn't even matter. Yeah, God. Get so hot. We'll get there in a sec. Yeah, Julia, what about you? I'm sorry, Mike. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you at first. Um, but I just want to, I just want to say um. Oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yes. Okay, so I feel like they were also kind of like channeling a parallel, like when um, when Vito got shot, he was in the hospital. Michael had his stroke, then was in the hospital. Yeah. And we see them at kind of like a weak and feeble point in their life. Yes. I think they were trying to channel that, but they could have done a better job. Yeah. That's, I think what all. makes it effective with Vito is we don't spend the whole time with him. So we're just constantly wondering what's going to happen with him. Is he exactly. okay? Is he going to be alright? But here it's like, okay, we're just from Michael's perspective. It's just kind of boring. Nothing's really happening. And he just has to say, oh, just slow oh Michael, this is the first time I've ever seen you this hopeless. It's like, okay, oh, we get it. There's we're some bad understand yeah. this. Great that and the whole, they will fear you now. <laughs> some really not great lines of dialogue. Yeah, it's a very uh, cookie-cutter voice. I would have liked this arc a lot better if there was, like, an arc to it. Like, and I don't buy that Michael in the second movie would immediately be like this. And I get what you're saying. Like, he's older and wiser, and he's trying to be a better person. I feel like if I had, like, an arc leading up to that point, I'd like it better. Like, maybe if he started out miserable and cold, and, I don't know, he was shown, like, a better path, or he was dealing with the torments and of what happened to Fredo over the course of the movie, and maybe it ended this way. I think it would work better. It, it would be cheesy, but I think I would buy that character more. But the fact that right away he's just virtual signaling, signaling and giving tons of money away to priests as a way to virtual signals, I I don't buy it. Like it, it's too yeah. soon. I feel mm -hmm. like if there was like an arc to that point, it would have been so much more effective. And again, that's part of how I was trying to restructure it. Like have that arc so there'd actually be a character arc instead of just oh he feels bad for the whole movie. Take out the incest plot, take out some of the dumb action scenes, and really hone in on the family drama, the parts that are actually compelling. Because there is stuff there, like the stuff of Kay, yeah. while he's talking to her in Italy, and she's tearing up. Like, I actually welted up a bit that scene. That was incredibly that was effective. Like, it came yeah, from the I just, heart. I was just about to ask you about, like, what did, what did everyone think of Diane Keaton's kind of reintroduction of Kay? Because I do think that her she coming back and... Job. I think yeah, so. I she's think the she best actress in the movie. Emotional sincerity to it, calling him out on his bullshit, and him mm -hmm. begrudgingly accepting it after all these years. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I know. What else is he going to do at this point? He kind of agrees with what she's saying. Exactly. And, and she doesn't really say she forgives him. It's just, I love you. And they don't get and, back uh, together, which I liked. 
and he, he, he's, uh, you know, they're in their home in Sicily, and he says, I used to look out this window and think about you, and he says, oh, and you got married again. <laughs> yeah, they finally or, addressed that plot line. I was happy about that. Yep. <laughs> like, finally, a movie addresses that happened. It wasn't just some crazy fever dream I concocted on my own. That's, uh, <laughs> well, you mentioned favorite sequence and for the last two movies. What's your favorite sequence here? Because I like that scene in particular, but I also love the opening scene of the shots of like the house, but it's all wilted and old and abandoned and darkly lit. And at first I was like, I was really excited. Like, wow, this will be a darker movie than people led me to believe. And there's that awful letter monologue. I'm like, oh, and that conflict <laughs> of things I love and things I hated just began. But that sequence of shots up until that point was beautiful. But what about you guys? I mean, I really like just the cinematography towards the end. This one shot in particular when they're throwing the the priest down the stairs. I don't know why. That just – it was a cool shot. Yeah, and also <laughs> yeah. the guy hanging in the darkness. That was fantastic. Ooh, it's probably the best shot in the movie. Oh, I, I, I got that one too. I screen-capped all of these because they were just <laughs> so they fucking still, good. Yeah, the cinematographer and editing tried to carry this movie. I, I give him credit and, for that. Yeah, um, I feel like <clears throat> the scene, like the 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 climax, where like uh, Dude. um, <laughs> uh, dude, what's his name? What's his son's name? Oh, um, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony. Like he he's um singing on stage. He's performing. He's singing. He's doing his thing, and um. Because there was a parallel, like there's always like a parallel in these movies where. There's uh there's something nice and happy going on and everyone's enjoying themselves and then behind the scenes behind that people are getting killed and nuffed. Oh, and, uh, the so like, like the baptism. Yeah, like Mi- Michael's enjoying uh... the show, he's proud of his son and meanwhile uh Pawnee watches her godfather eat a poison cannoli and claps in his chair. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah." And doesn't tell oh, him cannolis for some that's, reason. That's sad. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a snap I mean, cannoli. And he stabs someone with glasses. Yeah, thank you for that. That that was the scene that happened. Stab someone with glasses. I'm sorry, Julia. I thought that was what happened at first. I thought he broke the glasses and then stabbed him with the glass. Him with a like, fucking no, pencil. he full on just fucking puts the glasses <laughs> through his throat. I'm like, who is this guy? The Terminator? And then there's right. the fucking pretend strangle. Like the guy was pretending to be strangled and did the surprise oh, yeah. stab. What the fuck was that? Like, I'm, that sorry, was that was yeah. I, I'm sorry, Julia. I'm sorry. Go on. The face, the face he makes too looks like like something out of <laughs> Frame Roger Rabbit, like the bulging so eyes. Goofy. Ooh. Ooh. And, oh yeah, there's the guy with the donkey sound effect. What was that? Was that supposed to be funny? Like the guy doing the donkey. I impression? thought it was weird. Yeah. So many Apparently goofy elements like that. that. He used to do when he was younger, like, but like, I, ugh. God, no, he can't do it anymore. That's for sure. Not, not really. Doesn't sound like a donkey. That's for sure. But uh, favorite scene, I'd probably have to say, uh, would be Mary's death at the end, minus the final Al Pacino scream. Like, like I stand what I said before. It's a well if, shot scene. The the shot scene. If you cut it right at the end as uh as he's about to scream like it fades back into the scene of him sitting in sicily all those years later i think that would be i think that would like almost perfect the scene other than that everything was just a little too cheesy mm-hmm. or too mm-hmm. incesty or just like 
pointless. too hard or pointless, and it's just like, okay, we get it. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's there's the similarity. We can we can all see it. You you don't have to point it out that fucking hard. Okay, it's, yeah, it's no. right there. Trust their intelligence. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like the, it's like the director is like, look at this reference. Look at this reference. Whoa. Look, he <laughs> killed Alfredo. He killed Alfredo, yeah. and then we have characters bring up that he killed Fredo. It's like you already showed us that he killed Fredo. Why yeah, do you need characters to bring up Fredo? Please be Exactly. It's like they're giving you every sign that this is epic conclusion to iconic movie. Not exactly. And 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 that's and that's the thing is that the original Godfather films were kind of devoid of that. They were kind of made out of um, you know struggle and out of uh, a studio not believing that this was going to make money. I mean, more so, I, they, they, they were given more leeways with the second one, and the second one really gets out at them. But it was still really fresh and in that um, you know ether of hardship, where this film was trying to live up to the legacy of that. And so there's that layer. Uh, of this onion um, being added to this, and Francis Ford Coppola is a uh, is is a different person now. Like he's trying to live up to his own legacy that he built for himself, and so those elements are part of this. And I think any any film that follows up um, films that have that kind of legacy, that's an un an unenviable task. I can speak today, but um, mm -hmm. it's I think it's really difficult to kind of live up to that and have it live in the same authentic kind of vein without it um yeah i don't know it's yeah. I, I think there's a lot going against this film than why it was uh maybe difficult yeah why it wasn't so well received for its time it was only made because the stu paramount had such a big flop i think it was heaven's gate or heaven's end that was such a huge flop that they needed the guaranteed hit and everyone involved won money like, Robert Duvall straight up refused this movie because the only reason you'd make a sequel this late is, you know, because of money. And unfortunately, that does kind of shine through in <laughs> a lot of scenes. There's some elements I appreciate, but there's some of it that just feels like a mess. Like, it was just cobbled yeah. together, but not out of passion. It also doesn't feel like it was made out of a as a cash grab. Like, they, I think they were trying to authentically parts of it were, tie parts the of loose it ends. Yeah. Like, I, I, I... Yeah, there's parts of it that definitely feel like they're calling back a little too hard, but there's... I do think they are trying to authentically kind of wrap the story and make it come full circle, and I do commend it sure. for that because I do think it does a good job there, like in setting up these parallels. Um, although it's such a weird time gap that after his daughter is killed, it just cuts to him in the future, and he's an old man in a chair who just kind of keels over. Like, what happened and that's in it. between there? Yeah, and that's it. Like, I feel like there's more to the story that we just missed in in one crossfade. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, but we don't know what happened to Andy Garcia. We don't know what happened to, you know, Connie. We don't know what happened to his, you know, ex-wife. Like, what's None of that. To? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I want to see. Like, the first two films, like, yeah, they kind of ended on a somewhat abrupt note, but it was enough of a satisfying conclusion. We know enough about what happened. You know, part you two and wraps up like four plot lines in one ending, and this just feels so anticlimactic in comparison. It almost yeah. seems like they're setting it up for like a Godfather TV series. Yeah, a little bit, honestly. It does kind of it kind of has a TV movie feel at times. Like Sometimes. I appreciate the cinematography and the way it's shot and edited together. I thought the sound design was kind of crap in this film. The gun sound yeah. effects are so bad. Like, yeah, what the fuck no happened? How did they sound more realistic in the 70s? 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like GoldenEye's sound effects. There's that stock pistol sound effect that I hate. <laughs> yes, that there, kind there of does is, the there go is boom, like pew. Stock video, video game sound effects in there. It's, it's like so bad. Like what happened? Could you not get the same guy? They sounded so realistic in the seventies. Like, this was this made in nineteen ninety. Father movie. This seems yeah. like some two mm -hmm. bit like. Well, random gangster movie. And it's such a stark <laughs> contrast to how hard the cinematographer tries to draw the film together, and it sounds like that. <laughs> it's that something that's that that worth noting, good. though, is this originally wasn't supposed to be called Godfather Part Three. Mm. Christopher Coppola originally wanted to call Death the Michael Corleone, so it was more supposed to be more of an epilogue than a uh, than kind of a, a part of, a third part of a whole. Like the first two feel like such tight parts like, like like two parts of one kind of story where this feels like it's more removed from that and it would have been interesting if they kind of did this as almost like a separate trilogy where uh death of Michael Corleone part one and two or something and they maybe fleshed out more of the story there like that was um one proposal that never kind of went through or one idea but um and and you know Francis Ford Coppola recently re-edited this film I watched the original theatrical version but he recently kind of rearrange some things and he calls it part three coda the death of michael corleone yeah. to try to give it more of that and i is that the version that you watched julia that was the version that i watched yeah Are there, I watch okay. the do you know if there's any major differences between the cuts like from um, what you can tell i can't well i didn't watch the original one i just watched the director's cut so i can't compare it to the okay uh one that came before it um one one thing that I read that apparently they change like does the coda open up with the clergy and him yes. kind of yeah. so so so, the, so that was one thing that's something that in the original cut that doesn't come until like forty minutes in and so apparently they put that up the front to try to establish what he's doing now where the uh, original film opens up with the party um, mm -hmm. and uh, Mary's character and. And, and and those um, happening. So you get introduced Mary's and Vincent's character, and that happens within the first like ten minutes of the film. So yeah. they 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 kind of rearrange things, and they maybe add a couple things. But I think the codica is actually shorter than the uh, theatrical one, also. So That's what it's I like heard. four, yeah. it's four minutes shorter. So it's really a, a more of a rearrangement of what, yeah. of what's there rather than mm -hmm. they unearthed like 40 extra minutes of film that's not what happened <laughs> and Sophia Coppola, like, i'm not sure if they yeah. added this i'm not sure if they added this uh scene in the movie but um there's this one scene where uh vincent during the party at the church i think it was at the church uh he meets with joey zaza to uh kind of like reconcile some stuff and um uh, he he vincent bites joey zaza's ear that's in yep. the original cut. Yep, that's in the. Oh, and he okay, sounds okay, okay. like a dog while doing it. So I, this is kind of this is yeah. kind of behind. Um, this is kind of besides the. Sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent. I just want to say before I no, forget. Please do um, go for it. So in Cavalleria Rusticana, the opera that uh, Anthony was starring in, um, there's a scene where the main character, uh, I think his name is Turidu. 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 Yes. Yeah. I was like, how the hell do I say that name? It is a very odd pronunciation. It's I'm almost like, like what? Japanese with a Tulio. <laughs> um, I, I kind of sounds like Tulio, but I'm it not gonna say that. Tulio. <laughs> um, but I'm, and then he um he has to fight the other guy who has his girl or something. Yep. And uh, yep. They. Tulio, bites, the ear of his opponent, 
And in Sicilian or old Italian culture, that signifies a fight to the death. Yes. And that's essentially what happened between Vincent and Joey. Okay. So I'm like, parallels! <laughs> Alright, that <laughs> hey, is parallel, but I thought it was like that's better so, much key, that. so much keyed in because there was like a yeah, huge yeah. close-up of when uh, when Anthony in the opera bit the ear of the guy. It's like, Okay, and then and then you see the the mother at the end. She covers herself with the shawl, and yeah. as Mary's dying, uh, Connie puts the shawl on. It's like, okay, so on again. It's like yeah. it's, it's right there. Yeah. You know? uh, I love the. I see what you're trying to do. Trying too hard. Yeah, it feels Hollywoodized. It feels like yeah. people yes. were mixed on part two. So let's Absolutely. pull a Rise of Skywalker and quote-unquote fix what the previous sequel apparently did wrong. <laughs> Those elements drove me nuts, too. Yeah, just the whole... Like, oh... Well, you know, killing Fredo was bad, and we need to keep reminding the audience that was bad. And he's not cold anymore. He does have a heart, and... They could have done a better job of selling that. Like I said, they're tr they're trying too hard and they miss the mark. I agree, but it's not the worst sequel we talked about on here. It's not as bad as 2010 or Matrix Revolutions, but it is no. just not on level of the first two. Like we went from savoring a fine wine to chugging Diet Coke, and some people enjoy <laughs> Diet Coke. Diet Coke's fine at first, but there's just nothing there. It's just yeah. kind of blah. And I it had some weird aftertaste. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of. Mm. It's like it's like that wine. You feel gross like afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> we, Just, we went from I don't like it. Classic <laughs> Italian like it. vino to to Sunnybrook Pinot Noir. Oh God! Don't remind me. <laughs> Five out like of ten. Like a bad glass of Zinfandel, which is my yeah. least favorite oh, wine. Okay. Or, or Franzia. Yeah. Yeah. You have to yeah. tell me about all the good wines sometime. Recommend some. Yeah, come, come on down here to Niagara. I'll take you to the old winery I used to work at, and I'll, I'll tell, show you. Hey! Awesome. I crushed these grapes with my feet! I, yes. I was building bricks before <laughs> you were born! <laughs> <laughs> and this is the barrel cellar where we totally don't come and meet uh, everybody here. Uh, there, no, no joke, in, in, the, in the winery I used to work at, uh, they had a big concrete cellar and a big table there. It was the longest single pour concrete table in all of North America. But it, I used to make a joke, uh, never mind the screaming that's coming from the barrels, that was just one of our ex-employees here. But I kid you <laughs> not, like, if, if I were, uh, if I could show it, uh, do I have, I do have a tab open, give me oh. 30 seconds here, let me see if I can find it. I've been walking around, I'll have to sit back down on my computer, sorry, give me a second here. No worries. But it, it quite literally looks like uh, a mafia. Like, uh, well, can do today. Uh, Don, uh, yeah, from this family. Up, uh, All I can think of is, I think I it was Family Guy, where it's like, we've got to know the Kellogg's characters here today. We've got Rice Krispies and Count Chocula. <laughs> That's all I can think of on that scene, too. Pop culture ruined the Dawn for me, man. I'm sorry. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> both you guys rate The Godfather Pert Free out of 10. I would go with a solid 6.5 out of 10. That's fair. They make a good effort to it. I said it once, I'll say it again. They tried too hard and missed the mark. It's just... Yeah. Well, it's, tried it's, so I, hard. Yeah, not so, so far. I'm going to be... I'm going to be... I'm going to be marginally more generous than Matthew here. 
uh, and I'm going to bring it up to a 6.9. Screw you. Uh, Giggity. Just, uh, yeah, just because. Because <laughs> the incest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, please no more. Giddy, yeah. Julia, no. <laughs> what would you rate up to? I, 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 can't, I can't think it. of a more... Yeah. No, no, go, go ahead, on. go ahead. I couldn't think of a more appropriate uh, rating for it. I know. But go on. <laughs> I'm going to give it a solid 6. Yeah, I'm going to be a bit more harsh and give it a 5 out of 10. It tried. Uh -oh. There were some, the actors mostly did a very good job. There was some great cinematography and editing, but yeah, it's just underwhelming. Especially oh, that is 100% a, a mafia torture table. Exactly, exactly right? Exactly, It's like right? the scene in Casino fuck? where they break the guy's fucking <laughs> bumps. It's totally, it's totally there. As soon as I would take the people in there, I would say... And here I'm gonna make an offer I can't refuse that you can't refuse, and everyone would just start dying here. Like I had people literally, down, it's like, Jeez. is that really wine that's stained on the ground? Be <laughs> <laughs> wine. I'd say it's like, shh, ask any questions you don't want to hear. Questions that you can't, that we can't, that I can't answer here. Exactly. Don't ask I questions you don't want to know the answer but to. Then you might yeah. have to What's the matter for you? How you doing? What's the matter for you? Drop the gun, grab go. the come on. Go come on, let's go. Yeah, come on. Uh, I think yeah. it's about time that we uh, get your friends close here and your enemies close. Grab closer. ourselves a couple gabagools, grab ourselves some nice vino, some canola, some camomila, uh, some nice uh, exactly. carbonara pasta. It's too late for carbonara pasta. That stuff is not. That stuff is gonna be in you for like the next two days. Good. No, what you, you you could do with <laughs> a nice gabagool right about now. Yeah, I know. You can have a gobble ghoul at any time of the <laughs> All day. Right. That's the thing about a gobble <laughs> Thank I you guys. I thought gobble ghoul was a joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I thought it was too. Then for gobble ghoul, you, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's something more legitimate Ian. to it. Yes. <laughs> it's basically the same as Capricola, which is a dumb Ian, how, how comfortable is that So you're just running around saying, hey, on. salami, salami, gobble Yeah, quite literally on the fence with a 5 out of 10, eh? Yeah. Yeah, how, how comfortable is that fence you're sitting on? I've given a couple movies recently, 5 out of 10. I just don't know. Oh, yeah. Good rating. 5 10 fence. It's going to get wider and wider. It's going to become a barrier at this point. Yeah, we'll see oh, how boy. it goes. Because next episode, I believe, is the driving episode. We're going to talk about cars, Lost Highway, <laughs> and um, what was the third movie? I'm uh, drive. Drive. You and I called to tell you how I. Yeah, the, yeah. We're, we're doing the most like film bro episode of all time. <laughs> yeah, Cars. You're is including a, Cars. Yeah, Cars, Cars is my favorite film bro movie. Family. Cars. Yeah. Man, I watched Family. that movie so many times when I was sick. Like I, I can't watch it anymore. I can't <laughs> wait to watch it because Stephen hates me and wants to see me suffer. So I guess I'll sit through it again. But hey, at least at least we're gonna watch Lost Highway. That's some good. Yes, I'm right actually there. looking forward to that. I haven't seen it yet. Um, thank you so much, Julia. You've been great. Thank you for having you're, me. I no, had a lot of fun tonight. You're fantastic. Yes. And same thank with you, for you being Matt. on. Thanks for coming back. We'd man. love to. We'd love to have you back if we were, if we do another Italian themed episode. Uh, if you have any ideas, just stop racial profiling, uh, Devin. Feel free. Uh, or or just you oh, know, okay. any, any movies you want to talk about. There you know. go. And uh, that's the answer. Yeah, it can be about literally anything. We got our <laughs> just we got watch our request this guy. form. This guy is gonna have me like come on the podcast for the next Italian themed episode with a tambourine. And a accordion, and what would be your principal? Like, I'm fucking here. Come on, Gandhi. Gentlemen, I'm a man. 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 I
I, 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 I know joking. you also did animation, so if you ever want to uh, vent your uh, gripes at the animation industry, you're welcome to do that, too. Well, I haven't actually worked in animation. I mean, we're talking um, about Curse next week. <laughs> I have oh, sure. only been animation school for one year. Oh, okay. Uh, what do you but do I, now? It is not my industry. Like, I, gotcha. I like animation, but it's not my job. No worries. That's fair. Yeah. I can talk about it, though. Yeah, right on. Have a great night, everybody. And uh, is it you. Thursday yet? Yeah, thank you guys. More!